I met him, Shantua, from the m- movie The Water Boy, but now you're going to listen to the movie boys instead of The Water Boy. Do you play Space Invaders? You're invading my space. Back off. <laughs> How did you, you get Adam Sandler to agree Thank to you, introduce Adam. our podcast. I, right? Um, yeah, Adam Sandler is here in the studio today. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam Sandler. I'm a very funny guy. Yeah, you stay over there, Adam. I'll call you in when I need you to announce a fact of the day. Um, we got Adam Sandler as a special guest here for the uh, the Thanksgiving special. <laughs> And because there's nothing America should be fucking thankful about this year, we've decided that your Thanksgiving punishment will be listening to us talk about pixels again. If you watched uh, the live stream we did, we did a live stream on my YouTube channel uh, of us watching pixels uh, off screen so that we didn't get in trouble with the copyright people. Um, I'm surprised it actually went through considering just how thorough Happy Madison have been in attacking anything. Even videos with just the word pixels in the title have been hit with their copyright claims lately. Uh, well, lately, but when the game, uh, film first came out. Then again, it's Adam Sandler. He's probably forgotten he even made this and is working on the next waste of everybody's fucking time. Yeah, he's uh, he's off hey, spending that's the... Mean. <laughs> that's a meanie weenie thing. I was in Little Nicky. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's, um, and this is, I mean, we should, you know, if you watch the stream, it's, we don't think it's a good movie. No, we didn't have fun. No. Um, but here's, here's the thing. I was off my tits, and also because it was a live stream environment, wasn't able to pay 100% attention to the film. And God, did that was, help. Yes, I thought it was shit then. I've now rewatched it. With sobriety on my side and uh, full attention, and it's terrible. Right? And I well, think it made me sick again. We walked away from it, uh, and and your perspective on it at that time seemed to be that it was not good, but it wasn't anything to get angry about. And now you yeah, seem yeah. angry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I described it as watching um, a glass of room temperature milk when right. we watched it together when I was in New York. And most, mostly that's still true. Mm-hmm. For the most part, this is just an intensely mediocre film in which nothing of consequence happens. Um, the jokes such as they are are often inscrutable from just regular boring dialogue. Right. Um, for the most part, it's an intensely mediocre film. Um, we're doing things a little bit different this time. We haven't really got a game to talk about, and I, I really just want to get this stuff front-loaded, mm-hmm. just how much I don't like this film. Um, right, but... Um, and so f- it's mostly mediocre, but re-watching it again, like, starting to notice the bits where they really did think they were being funny, or, or at least Adam Sandler thought, well, you know, let's squirt out a joke here. Um, and, and the factual errors and the sheer ignorance of, of, of what they're trying to do. Like, like there have been films made, Wreck-It Ralph being a good example. Um, you know, Wreck-It Ralph is a game, a film made by people that genuinely understand video games and can make jokes 
at the expense of video games and make jokes um, about video game tropes in a really observed, clever way. So that if you know about video games, which, let's face it, most people do now, um, it's it's culturally relevant, observational, good humour. Whereas this, it's just so... The contempt for the source material is, is written on the film's sleeve. And I don't mean contempt as in, you know, they're shitting on video games. It's they don't give a fuck. And that's fine if you don't give a fuck about video games. I don't care if you like games or not. But... Don't make a film about something you don't care about. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's You know, I'd have said that if, if this film was about another subject. Sure. Uh, you know, which, which, you know, other Sandler films have tried to tackle different things. And he doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. It's just like, what's popular, um, you know, or what can we throw in a few dick-punting jokes in into? Well, and, I... and, and let's do that. And I think that its uh, a s- approach to the subject matter does come from a genuine place of ignorance. Like I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't think they are conscious enough of, and because it, it, it's it's shown in in the attitudes that the main character, the Adam Sandler character, plays towards modern video games, and how he doesn't, you know, see their appeal. Uh, how they're they're not in- enjoyable to him in the same way that yeah. the games he grew up with are. Uh, but it's so it's such a trite observation and an outdated observation that you know old video games were better just because they were old video games. Um, in this film, that it, that's presented as you know a heroic quality <laughs> that he's he's looking at new video games like they're trash, and he never changes his position on that. No, it, it's... Uh, uh, it, oh, okay. It, and, and it's supposed to be a film about a guy stuck in the past, except when it needs to, being stuck in the past is presented as a noble quality. Yes, yes. Being stuck in the past is the thing that saves everyone. Our, our, needs, our, our need to cling to nostalgia is what survives. Yes. And in fact, I was saving this for later, but I'm, gonna sh- I'm just going to say it now, right? Um, Pixel's ending, the way, the way Pixel's deals with the threat, you know, the aliens that come down and send old video games to attackers, is, I mean, really, it's, it's, it's very, again, trite. It's, it's, it's a word I'm probably going to use a lot for this. Um, you know, Adam Sandler realizes he was really good at the... the the video game that is supposed to have been haunting him this whole time, except it's rarely mentioned unless it's needed to be. Um, like he's, he thinks he's bad at Donkey Kong because he lost a Donkey Kong championship when he was a kid. We see him. No, no, he doesn't. But he doesn't lose. He comes in second. That's true. He comes in second. Although towards the end, Kevin James says, "Oh, it's the one game you suck at." Uh, yeah, it's... yeah. Mm. Um. So he thinks, I guess he thinks he sucks at Donkey Kong because he's only second place in the world. And, I mean, that's an Adam Sandler fucking attitude right there. Um, So he thinks he's bad at Donkey Kong because he lost to another person at Donkey Kong when he was a kid. We see that in a flashback. And it's not really brought up again until the very end. Where we're supposed to be like, oh, he doesn't have self-confidence because of that. I mean, I think... There are I, I get why that's structured that way in the plot. Yeah, you know, a better film would have had like you know 
They reveal Donkey Kong as the big boss in a twist at the end. If they'd have done this correctly, they'd have had, you know, earlier footage of Donkey Kong, like, taunting Adam Sandler and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Because like, the shit's in a time capsule, you know, um, and they, they should have had the aliens infer that Donkey Kong is this this frightening thing to Adam Sandler's character who's emerged as this world hero. Um, here I go again, you know, writing the film and making it better. Um, yeah, no, but, okay, so let's, uh, Pixels, but anyway, Pixels anyway. originated, it was a, um, as a short film, um, yeah. which, you know, it, were I a professional, I would have looked up the, you know, and, and found, uh, who, who did the original and, and... Well, let's face it, Adam Sandler didn't do that either. No, no, no. Um, or at least he got, he got some lawyers to do it to secure the rights, I guess, but that's about it. Um... And it was it was really beautiful. Um, it was just sort of a this short film about video game characters coming into our world and sort of wreaking havoc on a city. Uh, yeah, and it was neat and uh, just a fun little thing. And when it was announced that they were making a larger movie out of this, conceptually, that sounds like it could go in any direction. Like, there are many ways you can do this film that are good. Right. Um, they opted not to take one of those options. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but, 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 but on its face. Yeah. You know, and, and based, you know, if, if your sole inspiration is that short film, there's enough in it and enough, you know, clear love of the subject matter. Uh, because that's the thing about this short film is that it really expresses a love and adoration for old video games in a way that the movie, the feature film, just completely betrays. Yes, uh, yes. It, like, it turns uh, it The to... only love... And, and sorry if I'm, like, sounding wheezy on the mic. I can hear it in my voice. Um, I had a bit of a relapse of, of my illness, which I think Pixels caused. Um, but that's what... Every time I breathe in, I can hear this... It's horrible. Um, but the, any love professed for old games in this... Sounds like it's coming from someone with um, somebody who's just reading it off a sheet of paper. Which, let's face it, it's what Sandler was doing. It's, it's it's at best disinterested. It's at worst cynical. Yes, it's it's kind of by numbers profession of love. Um, the trope of the old guy who thinks old things are better is so common and so done that. It doesn't sound like this is a guy who actually loves video games. It sounds like a guy who knows his comedy tropes. Yeah, but when, one thing one thing that clearly nobody seems to know is how to, like, create characters that have um, uh, emotions. Or any kind of arc. The only real character arc comes with the, um, uh, what's her name, Monaghan. Uh, is it Michelle Monaghan? Yes, I think so. Yeah, Michelle Monaghan. Her, she has a character arc, and that character arc is solely doesn't like Adam Sandler, likes Adam Sandler, is now in love with Adam Sandler. Right. And that's it. No one else grows as a per. Well, I mean, maybe Peter Dinklage's character. Um, no, but no. Then but then, it's... even then, he's shown not really like he does. I don't think he's sincere. He doesn't really learn a lesson. Yeah. He. Um... He just. Gets it's, what it's he against. wants. He just get everybody just gets what they want. Everybody gets what they want. Uh, Ludlow being the creepiest uh, and worst, it, which we yeah. will get to. Um, the, I mean, there's a kind of contrition with um, Dinklage's character, but again, 
it's a, a very stereotypical contrition. You know, the hot rod, bad boy winner who is revealed to be a cheater admits oh, that dude, he way to wasn't spoil the so plot. good. Way to go. Yeah, I'm going to spoil everything right now. Because um, I still need to describe my better ending for this film. Um, a real, If this was a real film that gave a shit about its story, what would have happened was the aliens, their knowledge of video games only extends on paper to 1982. On paper. All right, all right. Save, 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 it, use... save it for when we get in. We should just do it because we're just doing the show should. now. All right. I, I, all right, but <laughs> I just... You know how many listeners we get drop off, you know, in any podcast. And it's such a good fucking it's, ending. Well, there you go. Now now they know. Now they know it's there. And so then they can scroll through the comments on SoundCloud and see, you know, the timestamps where people say how brilliant you are. Yeah. And it's a skip brilliant. ahead. And then... I mean, being better than Adam Sandler doesn't make you brilliant. And then but, maybe, maybe we can encourage all of the people listening on SoundCloud to go ahead and post how brilliant jim is at different times in the thing yeah to force people who are trying to skip around to find the thing they want just just listen to the fucking podcast or you could just listen to the fucking podcast and not make me go through exercises trying to make it more fun for you yeah like it's already fun you've got conrad and jim talking about pixels what more do you need (laughs) oh what more do you need oh Fuck everything. Um, right, let me just get up my facts. Um, I rewatched this. I signed up for stars. Um, fuck no, I wasn't spending money on this one. So I signed up for the, the free trial of stars to watch Pixels. Right. Um, immediately turned auto renew off because I don't want to get dinged for nine bucks. Um, I'm not made of money. Uh, so I got to watch it on Amazon for free, which means I, I got to watch Amazon X-Ray, which, um, if you don't know, Amazon X-Ray... Uh, presents facts um you know little continuity errors or goofs or just interesting trivia about the film while it plays often trivia that has nothing to do with the scene we're watching so it just comes completely out of left field one one i'm gonna get out the way right now and i didn't point first of all i didn't point out all of the anachronisms that happen in this film because this film's Reference point is supposed to cut off at 1982, and it's a fucking doesn't. There's a very, you can get even more specific than that, as I will demonstrate uh, in the course of this. And yeah, it is. It cares so little about accuracy that is it is perpetually disregarded. Yeah, and it did 1982 as well. I mean, we're barely out of the 70s. 1982 is a bad year to. Like, like, sell us on an, an 80s nostalgia trip. That cuts out so much of... I mean, again, not that the film gave a shit, because there's references to games as far back as 1986, I think. Um, but yeah, so I've got my facts. These ones I'm going to get out of the way, but they were hilarious every time it happened. Every time a video game was mentioned by name in this film, Amazon X-Ray decided to throw up a fact that went exactly like this. References Halo 2001, mentioned in the dialogue. Mentions Call of Duty 2003, (laughs) mentioned in the dialogue. References Gallagher 1981, one of the arcade invaders. References Asteroids 1979, 
used in a demonstration to shul- soldiers. Okay. <laughs> like, it went like that every time a game's mentioned, it not only tells us what the name of the game is, which is pointless because <laughs> the name's in the fucking film, what year it came out, and what relevance it has to the plot, which we can all see on the screen. <laughs> <sighs> so that was that was funny. I'm just going to delete those facts. How how, how about in the scenes where just, like, I I would imagine in the scenes where there's a lot going on that it's just like completely covered with Amazon X-ray. Oh no, no they did, they didn't bother with that. Oh, they good. only bothered with when a game's mentioned. They only they only went so far as to include the most useless form oh, of this good, fact. Oh, good, No good. visual reference. No. Oh, look, you can see Paperboy from the game Paperboy. It's no, if if they say Gallagher, then the the, the, the game tells then, then X Ray tells you it was a video game. That's great. Not even that. It just says references Gallagher, <laughs> the year it came out, and what it is in the film. Like in you know that it's one of the arcade invaders. Okay, so we know Gallagher's one of the bad guys. References Call of Duty 2003 mentioned in the dialogue. <sighs> oh, so n- after hearing the words Call of Duty in the dialogue, I now know that Call of Duty was referenced in the dialogue. Thanks, Amazon. I get a feeling the people writing the facts for this one were the opposite of the people writing the facts for the Warcraft film, in that they gave about as much of a shit as Sandler did. I get that vibe. Yeah. 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 I I um, editorialized in some of these facts as well. Normally, I, I'll write them for comic effect. I'll write them exactly how Amazon wrote them. And I've done that for most of them. But much Some of like, them I've had to editorialize. But much like Pixels itself, I'm going to guess, a lot of them would have needed some actual love and care and attention to be funny. Mm-hmm. So. You're absolutely correct. Um, this film's not a good film. No. I don't know if we've communicated that well. No, and, and 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 I will I will point out that because this is um, so careful, such carefully constructed comedy, you may have missed some of the things that the filmmakers intended to be jokes. Oh yeah, the the jokes fly thick and fast, friends. So I have gone to great effort. <laughs> To specifically point out, and in many cases explain why some of these things are funny, so that you may then laugh about them. Wonderful, wonderful. So, um, I, we've got an action-packed show, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh it's, it's seat of your pants time, folks. Let's get into it, then. This is Pixels. Our story begins in the summer of 1982, as Sam Brenner meets his best friend Will Cooper for the grand opening of a video arcade in their town. And Will, perhaps foreshadowing his future career, finances this adventure, this adventure by stealing the hard-earned revenue of an entrepreneur running a lemonade stand. That's a good satire. Thank you. <laughs> At the- everybody, everybody, Conrad just did... World-class political satire. I wrote a joke funnier. I'm sorry, and and I'm saying this without (laughs) ego. I just wrote a joke funnier than anything actually in this movie. Well, you wrote a joke, first of all. Yes. One that actually, like, like had some thought behind it. Um, But but before you continue, um, I think Adam Sandler's got something to say. I'm Adam Sandler, and here's your fact of the day. Thanks, Adam. 
yeah, that was good. Um, crazy credits. That was the the subtitle of, of this fact that Amazon gave me. <laughs> crazy credits. The opening credits look like they show a triple reflection on reflective glass, just like an arcade game. Now, that fact on its own isn't all that interesting. However, later on I'm going to give you another fact that makes that one work. So keep that one in mind. The opening credits have been made to resemble an arcade game monitor with the triple reflection and everything. Hmm. So remember that. Please continue. Okay. So at the arcade, we're treated to a montage of Will sucking at one game after another while Sam demonstrates a preternatural talent for winning games he's never played by recognizing patterns in them. Um, yeah, now, he's very good at that. He's very good at that. Now, in this sort of arcade sequence, um, as you're panning around, comes really, I think, and, it, and this is... I think 25 seconds into the movie comes the first real example of the film showing utter, uh, a complete and utter disregard for what it's established um, is happening in his in its scenes because there are um, three games in this arcade that absolutely could not have been there at the time the scene ah. is supposed to take place. See, this is an interesting thing, is especially with the facts that I collected. There were too many continuity errors and goofs for Amazon X-Ray to list. So they gave up on doing any of that. They don't reference any of the games. Um, except I think like in the big attack at the end, they make some passing reference to some of these games came out later. Um, but for stuff like this, like I was tempted to start writing my own facts. Yeah. Because you're right, yeah, some of these games... This is 1982, for God's sake. There's not a lot of well-known games out yet. I'm just grateful that Amazon ha did some of that later in the film when I was too exhausted. Yeah, oh, I didn't note them down. Oh, before, okay, all right, well... <clears throat> I can tell you one thing, though, something that backs up your um, point and actually works in conjunction with that first fact. So, I'm Adam Shandler, I was in Jack and Jill, it's time for a fact! wonder how long I can keep that going. I don't know. Uh, I'm already <laughs> hateful <laughs> overdoing it. Uh, it's better than the memes last time. No, sure. Um, oh, it's got to be. This, there's no way Adam Sandler becomes more annoying than those memes. Yeah. No way at all. No. So remember the first fact I gave you about those c c c crazy credits, Oh, you mean right? the ones that are a triple re resemble a triple reflection in an arcade machine? Yeah, the ones that are triple distilled through crystals. <laughs> um, diamonds. Through diamonds, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dan. Dan Aykroyd's vodka there, triple distilled through diamonds for your pleasure. Um, so, the opening credits have been made to show a triple reflection on reflective glass like an arcade game monitor, mm -hmm. right? This fact, the arcade machines used in the flashback sequence are LCD screens and not CRT monitors. So there is no reflection. There's no screen curvature, no scan lines, no phosphorescence. <sighs> They just, they couldn't even get or reproduce old arcade machines. Because it's easier to show a triple reflection when you've just got some fonts on a screen. But to actually make a convincing 1980s monitor for an arcade box, too much effort. It Whack it, an it, LCD screen. It would there. be, though. It would actually be a lot of effort. Um, now, like, I have, I have a little arcade cabinet, um, a, a Neo Geo. 
And mine does not, you know, mine came, those came later. They didn't, it doesn't have the uh, uh, triple reflection. Instead, it just sort of has this heavy-ass CRT sitting on a shelf built inside of it. Yeah. But um, even then, you can get CRT models. Right, yeah. They could have gone to a some kind of, of effort budget. to emulate that. A yeah, a film with this budget and resources to just stick an LCD fucking screen yeah. in a box is beyond lazy. Yeah, well, Hello, I'm everybody! I got a fact for you. Uh -huh. I mean, while we're here... Um, Although Dennis Akiyama plays a fictionalized Pac-Man creator later in the film, the actual Pac-Man creator, Toro Iwatani, actually is in the film in this sequence as an arcade machine repairman. Uh, the reason he didn't play himself later on in the film is because he doesn't speak English. So that clears up that whole, is that guy the, the real creator of Pac-Man or not? He's not. I don't know why they didn't use the real guy's name, uh, but he is in the film. Oh, did they uh, not use his, his real name? Um, I think they did. Oh, maybe they did. I think they did. Maybe they did. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I cared about this film as much as Adam Sandler did. So if I make any mistakes reading stuff, it's I'm sorry. Well, it's 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 understandable. I care as much as Adam Sandler, but unlike him, I'm actually sorry. Well, and 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 what I I figured out on second viewing because in you know as if you watch the live stream, uh, it came up that you know there was some. You know, back and forth and questioning and then I and on second viewing it became very clear to me who uh in this film was the creator of Pac-Man because um you know I, I don't know if you noticed this about the cast um but it is um it's really white that's the way Adam likes it's it really white cast really that's really the white way I like it and and so when I saw the uh maintenance guy working on the uh arcade machine in this opening montage and saw that he was a an Asian man. Uh, immediately, I knew that that had to be the creator of Pac-Man because there is uh, no why, other Asian man. Why would man. Adam Sandler... Yeah, why would Adam Sandler use an Asian character, like a, a, an Asian performer for that? No, no, he'd, he'd probably just get a, a white actor. Or, or, or just not have had the repairman at all. Right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, because he's inserted in there like that, it was clear, boom, that's the guy. That's our yeah. guy. It strikes me as a, a very cynical, quick way to create the illusion that that this film likes video. That it cares at all, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the arcade, in this arcade, um, the games that you can see that weren't out yet: um, Donkey Kong Jr. Uh, released in August of 1982, Cubert in October, um, Pango in September. Which I love Pango. My father used to be a big Pango player. I don't know why. Um, and then honorable mention to Joust, uh, which may or may not have been out yet. It's hard to say. Um, which I'll explain. Uh, there's a it, shortly. There's a, a a flyer that has a specific date for when the video game or video arcade championships take place. Uh, July twenty sixth of nineteen eighty two. Uh, so Joust came out ten days prior to that. It's possible if all of what is happening now transpires within about a week and a half that that's true. Yeah. Pretty unlikely. Um, but so after finding his own talents for uh, the crane game, Will, wearing the Chewbacca mask that he won from a crane game. Yeah. Which is, by the way, 
the shittiest setup for something that happens later. It sure is. Because it's completely forgotten. No, it's, it's shown in, in fairness. One... In fairness, it's not completely forgotten. It's just half-acidly referenced a few times. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not so memorable here. I only remember, like, this bit. And then the, the, the quote-unquote payoff The later. reveal bit. Yeah, I can tell. I, will, I can point out to you at another point in the film where it's referenced. Um, but that, you're right. It's, even, even in their going to the, per, the perfunctory effort of uh, only re, uh, reinforcing this thing in the way that they do the one time later. Yeah. It, it, How do you be good at a crane game? Um, knowing, okay, you can be good at a crane game by recognizing that certain prizes are not really going to be attainable, for one thing. Like, the one that he won. Um, no. That's not something you go for. You go for something that the fucking crane can get an actual grip on. Uh, right. So he's, he's really good at the crane. So he's, he's, he's got supernatural uh, ability. He's got to, game. yeah. He has to. Because th- there is no way those weak-ass crane claws could have picked up that Chewbacca mask in a, in a box, no less. I mean, it, I, maybe it's possible if it's, like, precisely weight-distributed and balanced in that crane, but no. Nah, it's, nah. it's really, really unlikely. I, like, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Then again, then again, knowing cheat codes to Pac-Man lets well, you defy the laws of physics later true. in the film, so... so Will suggests that Sam prove to the world how he is, how good he is at the videoed games at the yes. Worldwide Video Arcade Championships, conveniently taking place in a location easily accessible to these 13-year-old white suburban boys living somewhere in 1982. Yeah. Toronto, by the way. Is it Toronto? No, but it's where all location filming is done for these films, presumably because it's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Canada's very popular. For that yeah 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 at the championship they befriend ludlow a conspiracy theorizing kid who has a unhealthy love for the main character of an arcade game named dojo quest um, yeah can i also um give my character interpretation of Ludlow? oh please do pervy cock yeah pervy cock um quote unquote hilarious conspiracy theorist is uh, mostly a pervy cog. I I don't hate the conspiracies that he has actually. I find them very rote, very rote, sir. I uh, I don't I just I think how oh, the CIA does a thing. I think they could have been clever. They're just not like they just they weren't quite written well. Like the the base, the essential ideas that they had around like his conspiracies are interesting and i i think that that could have been a good but there's oh God. well here's the thing it's it, it's again a, a hallmark of, of sandler's work if you want to call it work is um he has the basic concept of the joke of the character of the stereotype and then just does the bare minimum for the audience to recognize that's what he's doing and then hope that they laugh, which, you know, a lot of his feckless audience will. It's, um, it is, it's, uh, it's a sort of a tacit acknowledgement that what he's doing is formulaic. Yes. And then putting no effort beyond the formula whatsoever. Just presenting the, the idea of the formula. It's like, conspiracy nuts are funny. 
Yeah. This character is a conspiracy nut, therefore this character is funny. So, you know, he immediately, with no sense of pacing, um, just a, a naught to a hundred escalation, is suddenly telling you about what the CIA does. Yeah. Um, so that's... Pervy creep. That's fun. Um, yeah. We're also introduced to the diminutive Eddie Plant, who seems to be some more broadly known competitive video game player from out of town. Um, based on this swarm of people that's surrounding him. He's, he's flanked by uh, w- women that he apparently has just as part of his entourage. I, yeah. He's, he's Interesting to note in this, um, throughout the whole film, at no point does Eddie's... Is there a joke uh, at the expense of Eddie's... Um, Height? Size. Height, size, um... Yeah. Where in any other Adam Sandler there would be lots. I can It's almost like when there's an actor with 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 actual credibility, someone who could actually um what's the word? Um make Sandler look bad if he started making fun of people. Uh, those jokes suddenly disappear. Yeah, and I that's I mean it is entirely I think because of Peter Dinklage. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think if it was any other little person performing that character there would be jokes a go go at, uh, and and I say that not just on assumption, but on past performance. Yeah, because that's Sandler's, you know, main jokes are you know jokes at the expense of of other races, jokes at the expense of any sort of you know physical difference. Yeah, and someone gets kicked in the dick or an old person falls over. Pretty much, and uh, so it's. So if there's one, well, no, I mean, there's actually, Peter Dinklage is probably the best thing about this movie. I'm just going to come right out and say it now. Right? Yeah, the man... and, and I do want to, I want to draw a distinction when you say that between Peter Dinklage and Peter Dinklage's character. That's, yes, yes. Because Peter Dinklage's character is written as the, you know, the unlikable bragger, the Billy Mitchell style guy. But whereas most films, if you're going to have a character like that, who's also very prominent in the plot, you give them some redeeming, likable qualities so that we can stand to watch them. The only redeeming, likable quality about that character is that Peter Dinklage is putting in some actual effort in performing. Yeah, he commits to the role of this completely unredeeming character. Yes, so the character only works... Because Peter Dinklage is, is doing well in spite of everything else about the character. Concept, look, um, I mean, you know, they tried to make him look like an amalgamation of different famous arcade players, but it just looks kind of cartoonish. Um, premise, dialogue. Oh, the dialogue. Character mm. arc, quote-unquote. Like, everything about him is detestable, and not in the way that we should be detesting the character. It's... I don't want to watch this character on my screen, except Peter Dinklage is the only actor who's not, like, half asleep, so I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, well, your eyes are naturally drawn to the person who gives a fuck. Yes. We, you know, it's it's called the Billy Zane effect. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the uh, inverse of the, um, of the... Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, effect. yes. This is a this is in in the this movie is like 
nothing but Ben Kingsley, one Billy Zane. And in the world of Ben Kingsley, the Billy Zane man is king. Have you? It's like it's like if you remade being John Malkovich mm-hmm. as being Ben Kingsley and shot that scene <laughs> where where and, and you cast um you cast Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> In the role of 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 uh, uh, who's John John Cusack, John Cusack as he goes inside Ben Kingsley's mind. <laughs> we just wrote a better film than Pixels. <laughs> that doesn't even need a script. Like I would watch an hour and a half of Peter Dinklage just crawling down a tunnel in a, a weird office building and looking through Ben Kingsley's tired, sleepy eyes as he signs. Yeah. <laughs> Yet another shout out in half an hour contract for a crappy film. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So, um, anyway, Eddie is a cocky douchebag of of no redeeming value. Uh, But Sam and his friends stand up to him uh, by mocking him for having made up his own nickname. Yes. Um, Dan Aykroyd appears out of nowhere in a plaid suit as the unnamed host of this championship. I'll tell you this as well. When when we first watched this, we were a bit saddened, a bit disappointed, and also a bit, um, um, what's the word, enlightened by Dan Aykroyd's appearance because we'd you were getting screen grabs for the live stream and we'd stopped on a still of them drinking Crystal Head vodka, which is Dan Aykroyd's vodka. So when we saw Dan Aykroyd here, we were like, ah, that makes sense because Happy Madison films are big cash cows about product placement and incestuous Saturday Night Live X-Star relationships. So we saw Dan Aykroyd and we're like, okay, he's in the film because they're selling Crystal Head vodka later in the film. Yep. When I rewatched it, I went from sadness at Dan Aykroyd and enlightenment about the Crystal Head Vodka to exasperated frustration that they had Dan Aykroyd and he's not even a funny character. Uh, He doesn't have jokes, funny lines... He's just there to be there. What, I mean, if it's it's like the fucking phosphorescent, the the, the triple reflective um, credits again. He is now playing um, the unironic um, version of the kinds of out of touch adults in the eighties that he would parody on Saturday Night Live. Like, doesn't come across. It, no, no, I know because no, no, he's going backwards. That's the thing. He's doing thing, the thing now that he once parodied and made entertaining and interesting. Oh, I see what you mean. Like right. he could, there could have been the kind of energy that comes from the bassomatic salesman in that, but there wasn't. Yeah. Right. No. It could have been. It wasn't funny. It could have been um, the uh, slightly sleazy energy of um, Mainway. The, the dangerous toy manufacturer. But there's nothing. It's just there's a nothing. boring guy presenting who, who, yeah, who is like, trying like, to hype up a crowd and is just comes across as fuddy-duddy. Yeah, I, I realize Dan Aykroyd's stock is not as high as once it was, you know. Um, he's not a superstar anymore, but he's still got enough to wear. If you're getting Dan Aykroyd in your movie have a point to it like he didn't have many funny lines in um 
the campaign, but he had a point, and he did have a couple of goofs, you know. Mm-hmm. But here, he's just a plot. To, he's just explaining the plot. That's literally what he does. He comes on stage and yeah. sort of helpfully establishes the foundation of the film's plot by explaining that the video of the day's competition uh, is going to be sent to space, where it might one day be found by extraterrestrial life. It's like, okay, here's what the whole movie is now. In ten seconds, now let's waste your time for a half an hour. And, and so uh, the competition takes off, and as it sort of winds down, they talk about all these records that got broken, and Sam and Eddie are tied off, and, or tied, and they're, they're going to face off in Donkey Kong. And so those, he starts strong. Sam is eventually overcome by Eddie, who sort of helpfully explains that Donkey Kong's later levels are more random, meaning that uh, Sam's pattern recognition is going to fail him. And I... This is one of the rare examples of them inserting some bit of video game apocrypha that is kind of meaningful and it almost suggests that they give a shit. Yeah, well, I mean, it it takes one of the researchers having watched King of Kong. Right, that's just, that's it. Someone who was watching King of Kong for research to write the Billy Mitchell aspect of the Eddie character... Uh, which is really just like, oh, that guy has a mullet? Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, he, they, they picked up at least something. They learned something along the way and recognized it as kind of a meaningful bit of trivia that they could insert and did one, and then never, I think, do it again. Uh, so like everything else, they put forth the barest minimum effort and yeah. moved on. Um, also, oh, by the way, before we move on, Hello, it's me, the star of Happy Madison, and the ridiculous six with a fact for you. Oh, how fortunate. Yeah, thank you for introducing another great fact of the film, Adam Sandler, star of stage and screen. Um, at the moment where Dan Aykroyd's announcing the final and everything, <clears throat> well, no, actually, uh, when he's announcing the start of the tournament... We see a bunch of, you know, people preparing to game. One guy is dressed like the karate kid and, like, does the crane kick pose. Mm, I saw that, Karate yeah. kid, of course, being out in 1984. Right. Not 1982. Way to go. Well done. I can't, oh my god, I just realized how much time we've been recording. Yes, let's, okay, let's all right. get <clears throat> <Michael> on. <laughs> so, uh... After winning, Eddie humiliates Sam, but then Will comforts him by saying, you know, Will, uh, Sam's going to one day be a big success, and they're going to, you know, and they fantasize yeah. about celebrity women. Uh, and then, By the way, hmm? sorry, I, sorry, I know we've, we've got to get a wriggle <laughs> on, but one thing that's stuck in my crawl for this scene, Adam Sandler's child character learned about video games last week. Like, according to this fucking... Yeah. The way this is set, yeah. he is now in tears. Like, this was the most important thing in the world to him. When he'd just picked it up like some sort of, you know, savant. And and barely knew video games. Was there even, like, a, a prize stated? Like, like, some sort of stake? Uh, just being the best like, you in know, the world, I think. I mean, that's, yeah. you know... It's not like save your mother from a, a you know, retirement home or and, something. And he, it was... I think he broke two world records 
during the thing, so it's not like he didn't accomplish anything. No. And and as you pointed out before, he got a game over screen somehow after uh, saving Pauline from Donkey Kong. Yeah, like, he, he did things that the video game's not even supposed to fucking do. I mean, all things considered, this should have been a banner goddamn day for Sam. Yeah, it was a great day. But... What a prick. <laughs> but of course, it's Adam Sandler and not being the best at everything is uh, clearly terrible. So 33 years later, Sam and Will are still fantasizing about famous women. Only now they're doing it as adults in a bar, and Will's now married and has a job which is preventing him from spending enough time with his wife, and so they're talking about these domestic issues that he has, and, and then they find out from the news, a news broadcast uh, in which uh, Will is on, you know, we find out that he's the president of the United States, uh, played by <laughs> Kevin James. Kevin James. Hilarious. I mean, can you imagine? That's funny. That's a funny thing. Kevin yeah. James being the president of the United States and stumbling over some words in a, uh, a video uh, on, yeah. on a news broadcast. A scene that I like to refer to as Adam Sandler's tribute to 9-11. <sighs> he, he tries to read the word catastrophe and, and stumbles uh, in front of a group of Girl Scouts and then embarrasses himself yeah. further by rudely dismissing one of the girls when she tries to help. Um, no, but it's it's shot in the way that George W. Bush was famously reading to children when he got the news about 9-11. Except it's um, not. Because, I mean, first of all, yeah, so it's it's funny because it's a 9-11 joke and 9-11's funny. By the way. <laughs> I just wanted to... That wasn't Conrad's idea. Like, that you said that so deadpan. I just want to make sure he's... he's... <laughs> He's making fun of Adam Sandler films there. He's not yeah, saying I'm that making he genuinely sa I, I, I'm that. pointing out that Adam Sandler films are so fucking crass yeah. that they would, you know... Do you know like, what makes me like feel like bad, though? Hmm. I almost laughed. Not at the 9-11 stuff, but the, the look Kevin James gives the camera when one of the Girl Scouts says he can't read. And he just sort of looks and stares, so, like, helpless and lost at the camera, like a deer in headlights. I almost laughed. Yeah. There, and that's one of only two times in this film I almost, like, smirked There are giggled. Yeah, there is one point in the film where I lightly chuckled. And there are a few moments that threatened to make me smile. Right. Gotcha. And oh, by the way, by the way, hello, everybody. I'm Adam Sandler, star of I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. It's funny because two men get married in it. <laughs> Got a fact for you. Thanks, Adam Sandler. Pass me that fact. Let's see what, what it says here. Chris Columbus, the director of this film, said he modelled the president after sycophantic fuckface Chris Christie. <laughs> That's one of the facts I editorialised. Oh, um... Yeah, I'm, I'm Changed the word model? Didn't, didn't like the word model? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and plus, just for brevity, uh, you know, I cut out what, what his, you know, what Chris Christie's uh, governorship is and everything. Which, you know, but, but, but accurate. I mean, it's not like you can get sued for libel yet. No! <laughs> we'll talk again in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing about this, this scene that really just uh, drives me fucking crazy is that, yeah, they do, uh, not only are they making this 9-11 reference, quote-unquote joke, uh, 
when they shoot this, it, or this news broadcast thing, it's not shot in, or it's not edited. It's edited. It's fucking edited. So that there are multiple camera angles so that you can see close-ups of the girls talking so that, they, you know, like, like it's shot That's like true, a movie yeah. would be shot as opposed to yeah. how a news broadcast would be shot. Well, again, that would require understanding of anything outside of making a Happy Madison film. Right. It, it's, oh, God, drives me fucking crazy. Right, so the joke about the president being unable to read is very funny. He's a stupid president, haha. And Sam laughs at it and gets the Secret Service people to laugh along with him. And as they leave the bar that they completely shut down so that the president could hang out with his buddy for lunch, which is a, a very funny situation. See, they set up this uh, sort of you imagine? Uh, uh, juxtaposition of his position and his friend's position. And, and then they sort of utilize his power for them to continue to act like children. Um, very funny. Yeah, uh, but but every time they try and make a joke about it, it just highlights how unbelievable it is. Yes, it's to the point where the joke doesn't work anymore because within the structure the film has set up for itself, it's not believable that the president is hanging out from a guy who works basically at a Best Buy geek. It so consistently undermines its credibility in terms of how we understand our government function to function mm-hmm. that like, it just, it's, it's as if you were to visualize this, uh, as a house of mirrors, right? And in the center of the house of mirrors, where you stand is a bucket of golf balls and you just keep throwing golf balls, shattering mirrors and you know it's all bullshit because every time a mirror shatters, you, you you see it reflected in every other mirror. And then once the action is done, it tries to go along like you're still in a maze. Yeah. It's just yeah. it it ugh. I mean Maybe I that mean, was a terrible metaphor, but <laughs> Well what I'll say with that metaphor is I think as you said that I nailed down exactly why I have no investment in this film. Because that's not planet Earth. No. The characters that inhabit the world of pixels, the way the political structure works, the way some characters are cartoon cartoon character-esque, like the Prime Minister of Britain, for example, and some are not... um, cartoon character-esque there's no consistency within the world or how it operates so i've got no stake in this because i'm not seeing planet earth at risk i'm seeing some weird wacky land yeah so wacky in fact that the idea of of voxel not pixel voxel based aliens coming down to destroy it isn't that weird and in fact given some of the characters on this planet Preferable. So anyway, Will tries to encourage Sam to do more with his life than his job installing home theater systems while simultaneously insulting him with the suggestion that the only thing he's ever been good at, which is playing 30-year-old video games, is somehow not a marketable marketable skill today. Which it is. Yeah, oddly. Today. Yeah. Um, um, but, but Adam Sandler wouldn't know that because he stopped knowing what video games were after 1982. 
And Sam responds by inciting the protesters gathered nearby and drives away. Now, here's another breakdown of reality. No, it, that person would be on a blacklist at the White House, not allowed to be put in contact with the president after this incident. Yes. Like, and, and it seems to suggest that this has been the nature of their relationship their whole life for some reason. Even though it was not, you know, the, Sam was never depicted as particularly sarcastic or clever as a child. I mean, mm -hmm. he's not depicted as particularly clever now. Uh, but somewhere along the way, he picked up sarcasm. Yes, the lowest form of wit. Uh, so, meanwhile, in Guam, balls of light descend from the early morning sky and fly towards an Air Force Base, as we're informed by a sign, um, and the, the sign gets hit by something and starts to turn into little voxels. Not pixels. Not pixels. Voxels. Because if we don't call them voxels, someone will correct us also. Yes. And that's, and that's a thing. So Sam arrives at a service call for his job as a home theater installer, and the door's answered by a prepubescent joy. Uh, joy. Boy. <laughs> The two have this exchange of dialogue about how pathetic it is for Adam Sandler, uh, being a man in his 40s, to have a service job which requires him to say a scripted phrase. Because that's funny. Because it's funny to point out that uh, in our current economic climate, people who would have otherwise been able to get... Uh, jobs viewed as dignified as factory workers or people who make things in a country where people make things is now demeaned by having to force uh, having to work a service job um, that would normally be occupied by someone uh, that they could have viewed in a, a lower social strata and, and therefore feel elevated uh, not realizing that the uh, current force of globalization and mechanization taking place in industry has created a new working class that exists almost solely of this kind of service work. Uh, so that's very funny. Yeah. Can you imagine, Conrad, can you imagine being, a, a, you know, a middle-aged man having to work, um, you know, the only job you can get? Can you imagine? <laughs> so... Can you imagine? <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, and it's punk... The hilarity is punctuated by the fact that Adam Sandler sounds really bored and tired while he like, like talks, like uh, delivers the scripted thing he has to say. Well, it's great at the doorstep. It's it's nice because uh, the one point in the film when the character that Adam Sandler is playing is expected to act is the point at which Adam Sandler gets to drop all pretense of what he's trying to do in the scene and not exactly. Act. Yeah, um, I mean, I would say it kind of waters down the impact of the, of the great. Don't get me wrong. Of the performance the that he's giving, here. because if you you have to because it's indistinguishable from the rest of his performance in the film, where he is also tiredly <laughs> reading from a script. <sighs> I, I need to point out at this point, um, Adam Sandler has never, I don't think, looked more old and tired than he does in this film. No, he seems so not fucking bothered he is delivering his lines to uh i i want to say a sub ben kingsley level here and this is not a film he was like contracted to do like ben kingsley this is a film he 
made. Yeah. Yeah, he his, his, production, his production company, company made. yes. He's not a mercenary like fucking Ben Kingsley. And he's still delivering lines like he's there for the paycheck. And that should tell you all you need to know about that man's passion for what he does. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, about his passion, maybe. But you can certainly get some enlightenment about other aspects of, of his character. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, here, uh, because um, Sam's here to install a home theater for this child. And it's a gift related to the separation of his parents. Um, so Sam then encourages the child to tell him more about the 19-year-old with the name of an exotic dancer that his father ran off with. And, and uh, learns how the mother wants to build a, quote, slut-seeking missile. Which is all very, very funny. Uh, specifically because it's delivered in a dry manner by this young boy. See, so that, yes. that's why that's funny. If, if it... You see, if it doesn't a, quite a little hit. boy yeah. shouldn't be saying things like slut-seeking missile, but he picked it up from his mother, and, and it's an it's an hilarious out-of-the-mouths-of-babes-and-sucklings goof. i tell you what, Conrad, right? And here's a little... It's not an Amazon X-ray fact, it's a little Jim Sterling fact. I found this scene so funny that blood <laughs> sprayed out of my asshole <laughs> with the pressure of a riot hose. The child's mother enters the room, and Sam is surprised because he finds her sexually attractive when he was expecting her to be an unattractive woman due to the circumstance of her dissolving marriage. See, this is also very yes. funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you know anything about divorcees, and I'm sure Adam Sandler knows a lot, <coughs> right? Women who, whose husbands leave them are always humdrum, ugly, fat, in other, you know... In other words, they have no value to Adam. Because Sandler. otherwise, why would the man have left? Why would the man have left, Conrad? It doesn't make sense that, you know, people could have problems on the basis of this woman happens to be attractive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very progressive joke that Adam Sandler tells because, because it, it points out that while uncommon, <laughs> women who get divorced <laughs> and, and whose husbands leave them can be attractive and still have value. So really, if anything, Adam Sandler's making the great feminist statement of a generation. As he walks away, though, he then sneaks a peek at her lovely lady lumps. <laughs> As she turns around, and he has to unsubtly look at a completely different direction. This is also very funny. Um, uh, you, don't see, you may not be familiar with this, this trope in filmmaking, um, oh, yeah, yeah, we're about to lay down some cinema 101 on you, uh, your asses. Uh, this has happened in films before, where, yeah, where yeah, some a man somewhat sleazily looks at a, a woman, and, and you can sort of, with an expression that he's fantasizing about her, and then has to yeah. uh, shift his gaze away so as to avoid her observing it. Um, that is why this is funny. <laughs> Do you remember it, Colin? <laughs> Do you remember when, when Adam Sander was ogling um, the beautiful Michelle Monaghan, who is very beautiful and such a talent? Do you remember when he was looking at her and thinking, I want to spunk on them tits, probably? Do you remember I that? I do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but so... she turned around while he was checking her out. And so he looked away in a comical fashion. <laughs> Do you remember? But not only is it funny, it also helps to establish the emotional connection that these characters 
are, are going to be feeling. Because as she walks, uh, as she continues to walk away, she chuckles in response to this lewd stare. So obviously, she's kind of into it, right? And yeah, that makes it acceptable. It. Yeah, it's okay. Adam Sandler's not a cuck. So back in Guam, the Air Force Base starts mobilizing, believing themselves to be under attack. And then this attack happens, but you don't really get to see it. And eventually one guy gets turned into little picks, little voxels that get sucked up into the mothership. Which, if you watch the live stream, will remember, horrified me. And, and even now knowing that it's not fatal, because of course this was a film made for children, but was selling its nostalgia to adults... Um, selling adult you know, nostalgia to children. Yes. You know, I think that's, I think what happened is somebody saw what they did with the Volkswagen Beetle in the '90s, where they resold, right. you know, the 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 hippie boomer car to the boomers' kids, and thought that would work again. Ah. Aha. Uh-huh. Only this time they do it with Mini Coopers too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fuck this film. Fuck um, this film. So, yeah, so, so, yes. Uh, so yes. Sam and the child um, back at the house are, are talking about video games for a bit, and Sam expresses his attitude of, you know, things were better back in my day, pointing out the social and cultural benefits of a time when video games were played outside the home. Okay, just as a side note, everything he's saying in this scene is true. The only problem is, is that A, those games are, those days are gone, and it doesn't mean they were better. It just meant that there was a different form of socializing taking place. And, and, and while I did enjoy getting to do that as a child, okay, that thing, things change. That's the problem. It, the problem with this character is, is uh, struggling to acknowledge or accept that things change. And it's such a fucking problem in our culture. And he's in no way punished for it. <sighs> All right, sorry. <clears throat> So when Sam uh, later goes and looks for uh, the the mother of this child, whose name is Violet, we're just going to get that out of the way. I don't even realize when they start calling her that, and I don't care. Uh, he goes to find her to get her to sign the work order. He discovers she's in her bedroom closet drinking wine from a sippy cup, which is a strange thing to do and therefore very, very funny. Um, yes. They have a heart-to-heart. Um, that said, hmm? and I think we had this discussion during the live stream, um, drinking wine from a sippy cup is uh, a fairly common fun thing that adults my age do news to me it's uh not 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 in a sexy no, way no, Although, just... i guess in in some situations um certainly at some parties i've attended it can be in a sexy way i guess um well i mean the first when you first suggested it i you know because i am uh, a pervert i immediately was like oh okay is that some kind of kink um uh, but i mean it is yeah it, it genuinely is it's you know it's, it's a part of a whole thing but um i've also uh been to parties where people are just doing it just as a kind of you know let's just build pillow forts as adults and watch are you alone uh, are you afraid of the dark uh, on youtube and stuff um why not it is I, in mississippi there's not a lot for us to do Conrad. <laughs> so we drink wine from sippy cups and watch are you afraid of the dark so sam sometimes we cry so sam and violet have this part to heart where she repeats information that her son already told us. So, you know, because we've got to fill the running time of the film out. Uh, And then Sam talks about his marriage ending after his wife had an affair with their fertility doctor, which is ironic and therefore very funny. Um, 
he helps her feel better about her situation and a moment of empathy, and then throws all of that aside to move in for a kiss to her shock and protest, and, and it ruins the whole thing. And so Sam's trying to apologize, and Violet, she, she's explaining that she's not interested in having this rebound with a TV installer. And instead of seeing that for the perfectly reasonable argument that it is, Sam doubles down on pointing out that he's a failure by suggesting that her answer would be different if he'd asked her from the deck of an imaginary yacht. Which, duh. I mean, just duh. I mean, that doesn't make her shallow. That No, no, I mean... That's again, just having standards and expectations. <laughs> well, I'll say this much. I mean, it, it is shitty enough that you know, she's like, oh, I wouldn't kiss a guy who's working for Geek Squad. And they call it something else, like nerd dickheads or something. Um, it is, there is a snobbiness to that. Undermined by the fact that the film itself makes jokes at the expense of people working those jobs. Um, so there's a hypocrisy of the film. And also, there's this naught to a hundred, again, the, the lack of escalation, um, real, like, measured escalation. Because it goes from, oh, you don't want to kiss me because I'm working this job that you think is beneath you. But what if I was a bajillionaire on a yacht? It's like, there are other things in between right. that, that you could be. The standard like, can lie. Not a the dickhead. Big range. It's a big range. It may just be that her standards don't include guys that try to prey on women when they're emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, someone who's crying and drinking sippy cup from a wine in a place where it's hard to escape from. Um, <laughs> it, it doesn't make me feel very sexy. No, no. Uh, if I'm being fucking honest, Sandler. You fucking knobhead. Well, before he can fully bask in his undeserved sense of self-righteousness... Holy shit, that is an amazing quality, Soggy Boglin. <laughs> Sorry, I got so hateful at the idea of pixels i just started looking at boglins again. well okay then right okay so as sam is driving to the white house uh to m m answer this call from kevin president kevin james he notices violet um is also driving in the same direction and thinks that she's following him and then interprets this as her crazily stalking him because sure yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? You know, let's why let's not? just make him seem more self-absorbed and awful. Um, and when he arrives at the gates of the White House, however, he finds out that she's a lieutenant colonel for DARPA. Um, the Defense Advanced Research Projects and Administration, I, I forget what the acronym stands They make all the science shit for the Pentagon, if, if you don't know what DARPA is. And she mocks him childishly. And they've played Mel Gis solids. They got a good idea of what sure, is. sure. And then and, and she mocks him childishly. I guess this is to indicate that she's really no better than him in terms of maturity. That's the thing. The emotional maturity of all of these characters is just so. Well, again, they're they're, they're cartoon characters as needed for the scene, and then real people in different contexts. Because this is Wacky Land, where the dodo lives, and Porky Pig's trying to find the dodo. <sighs> then he follows her into the West Wing, and she gets all frustrated, and like the audience, is wondering why the fuck he's there and allowed to roam these halls freely. Yes, now, I have a problem with this scene, because, you know, 
first of all, it's an hilarious joke where they don't know that each one is allowed to be in the White House. You know, that's a funny joke. Very funny. And I've got to say, as another personal factoid, I laughed so hard at this that the blood that was still spraying from my ass like a riot hose had started to come out of my dick. Hilarious. But but some of that hilarity was tempered. (laughs) When she turns around and says, why are you following me? Instead of, why are you here in the White House in orange shorts? Yeah. I mean, they do reference the fact that he's dressed like that, like, almost immediately after when he goes into the yeah, Oval Office. Yeah, like, the only, the only options are, you broke in and somehow no one can see you. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're my, like, weird spirit guide now. Am, have I been hallucinating or, you? Yeah. Yeah, like, you're some sort of odd nilbog, or you're here to fix the president's fucking TV. <laughs> so, Not that you're following me, because the Secret Service that's literally everywhere wouldn't allow that film. But, you know, she gets directed into the situation, and he's asked to see the president in the Oval Office, which allows him to one-up her again, and he moonwalks into the Oval Office. Or, he, One, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, just... A stunt double moonwalks. Yes, that's because right. Because those are not we, his legs. Yeah. We get a, a quick cut to the legs doing moonwalk, and then a quick cut back to Adam Sandler just walking backwards with robot arms. And I want to make sure... After doing a classic Adam Sandler... Sandler voice. I want to, um, uh, oh yes, the, the, you keep it with It looks like somebody's more important. I, 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 I would. That was an impersonation by me, uh, from me, by the way, not Adam Sandler. I know that our Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to are, tell. It's, it's hard to tell when I'm doing an impersonation and when I've got, you know, the actual Adam. I'm just over here. Yes, you are. Um. Yeah, and so I want to make sure it's clear to everyone listening that this is funny because he's moonwalking into the Oval Office, um, not not because it's clearly not Adam Sandler's legs doing the moonwalking. Uh, yeah, which would have been funny that, that, if it was like like a woman's legs right, or like wa- just just something clearly not Adam Sandler's legs. But but I do want to make sure you're laughing at this for the right reasons. Uh, it's yes, not because it yes, looks stupid. It's because he's doing this. Yeah, it's because Adam Sandler is likably irrelevant. That's a Freudian slip, almost like when you said prepubescent joy. Um, It's Adam Sandler is likably irreverent. And that's why we like that he moonwalks into the office. And let me tell you, right, my dick actually fell off. So much, so much laughter blood squirted out of my penis. It's like it's like it popped. It just popped and flew around the room like a, a balloon with the air <laughs> let go, just spraying blood everywhere. Like right now, like this is like it looks like after the elevators open in The Shining in my office I, I, because of how funny the film was. See, I I had sort of envisioned it as sort of, as uh, you know how like um, an exploding cigar in a cartoon might look like that's how your Mm -hmm. penis looks right now because of the sheer eruption and force and volume of the blood let's go with that instead (laughs) it doesn't matter none of this matters president kevin james tells sam that their air force base in guam has been attacked and shows him something on his laptop and asks if he recognizes it 
which Sam does, and suggests that the restaurant they had lunch in may have put hallucinogenic mushrooms on their burgers in a possible explanation for what they're seeing, which is all very Are funny. Are we sure? Are we sure that's the joke? I'm pretty sure. Because I still have a very different read on that joke. Okay. I have, my read on the joke is that Kevin James tells him about the Guam thing as a setup for, oh, they're going to look at the computer and see something weird and, and talk about what the attack. My read on the joke is that what they're looking at on the computer when they see mushrooms in the food they had is a non sequitur. And it's like, oh, by the way, you know, there was an attack in Guam, but check out what I'm using my presidential responsibilities for. It's to go deep into the food we ate and see what was served to us because we are average Joes and funny schlubs. See, I, yeah, my read on it was they were uh, both, uh, it was that Adam Sandler so could not believe what he was seeing that he thought he must be hallucinating and then tried to right. rationalize his hallucination. To be fair, to again, to be quite fair, um, I paid no attention to the scene when we first saw it, and I paid less <laughs> attention to the scene when I watched it on my own. <laughs> so, so I could have been wrong. President Kevin James leaves to address the generals in the situation room and tells Sam not to sit in his chair, which Sam then goes and does, and that's very funny. Um, the generals, who are mystified by the attack, discuss who and what could be responsible. And President Kevin James unconfidently suggests that it looks like Galaga has attacked them. Now, these military leaders continue arguing and suggesting things to blow up in response when Sam pops his head in as though there are not armed guards on his side of this fucking door. Yeah, he should have been shot and killed. And then the credit. Why is this conversation even happening with the door open? Yes, this is supposed to be the situation room. Although to be again, to be quite honest, it looks just like they partitioned off an event hall in a hotel somewhere in Toronto specifically. (laughs) It does. It looks like it looks like the conference room at the business uh, lounge of the uh, Marriott Inn in downtown Toronto. Yes. With a with a, a monitor that they a bigger monitor on the wall. That's pretty much it. Um So Sam uh everyone's like completely confused by this intrusion. And in the one like moment of sanity that seems to exist in this world. Uh and they ask why he's in the situation room and uh, President James introduces him as his old video game expert and and asks what news he brings. And Sam explains that he's recognized this pattern in the video game as being from a specific version of Galaga that was out of production for 30 years because they wound up replacing, recalling and replacing the cabinets at some point due to some recognizable uh, problem that he can identify. And... Uh, other characters then get to speak in this section as well, but not, not, not so much to provide opportunities for Sam to impart additional information to the audience, so much as to give him chances to deliver zingers based on a cursory examination of the people providing them. And um, that's hilarious. Very, very funny. Uh, this then leads to Admiral Porter admonishing, admonishing the president for allowing this behavior, and Sam begins to leave sheepishly, only to then come back with more hilarious zingers about anybody else in the room he hadn't made a joke on, and a couple he already had to get another hit in. It's all very, very funny. 
so Brenner drives home, and someone appears behind him in in his van, uh, and startles him, and so he swerves and knocks this person out the back, and Sam gets out and finds that it's Ludlow, uh, now an adult. Uh, they appear to not have seen each other in some time, maybe since the competition. It's totally unclear, but he's been. Uh, they, they do. Well, <coughs> they they at least make it clear that Kevin James and Ludlow have seen each other. Since. Right. Yes. Yeah. That is that is later established. And actually, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly the same moment at which they reinforce the Chewbacca thing. Mm. Oh, see, I, I, you I, caught I, half of it, but I you missed the other half. Yeah. I hate this film. It's terrible. Um. So, Ludlow has apparently been hiding in the back of Sam's van all day and seemingly planned to drug Sam with chloroform in the event that he didn't come along with him for whatever purpose he had in mind. Yeah, which Adam Sandler refers to as roofing. Yeah. Which is, it's not, not because that's a different drug. He, he was going to be chloroformed, not roofing. Totally different. In fact, he also refers to it as being drugged as well, which I... It's not the correct turn of phrase at all. Yeah, it's more incapacitated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the, the two friends connect all the same over a joke that's funny because it combines elements of the JFK assassination and Star Wars, which was a popular film series that uh, people remember fondly. Uh, yeah. And suggests that John F. Kennedy shot first. Yeah, I, that's. Uh, I want this. Good. I see. I I don't. I think it's possible to have had this be a joke that generated a laugh somewhere from someone. Uh, just because, like, it's got enough pieces to be a joke. Well, yeah, it's 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 got some structure. Yeah, I'll give it that. Also, speaking of jokes, we did skip over where Adam Sandler leaves the Situation Room and zings everyone in the. No, room. we didn't. I mentioned it, but I don't think you were paying attention. I was looking at Bob. There you go. Um, I skipped it. <laughs> I, I just wanted to point out that is the lowest part of the film for me, and it's embarrassing well, I even, and horrific, and I hate I it. I even paused after I finished, because I was expecting you I'm to pick sorry, that I'm sorry. Yeah. In seriousness, I'm, my mind is out of it. Not just because of... Because of illness and pixels, both of which may be related. Now... But I just want to make it clear for the record, I fucking hate that. It is so despicable. Much. It's just not funny adam sandler trying to be a stand-up comedian against targets he's invented right well and he's and he's he's (coughs) he is heckling an audience he created that isn't heckling him that wasn't heckling him back in the first place yeah yeah he's given himself the easiest job in the world to make himself look they were legitimately like they had a legitimate reason they weren't you know a group of people that came to see him that have decided to not like him. They are a group of people he imposed himself upon and is now treating as though they are treating him with undue derision. With such great jokes as the guy with glasses looks like Harry Potter. And uh, oh, he calls the, the young Ryan Felipe, Felipe looking guy Blue Lagoon. Yeah, refers to a guy as Zac Efron. Um, calls Brian Cox's character old, like Grant. Co- refers to a woman with grey hair as Gandalf. Yeah, because because she's got grey hair. These these are the levels of quality yeah. zingers that you could. Oh, 
right, so sorry, sorry no, no, no. It's it, I, I, I feel my it was mind is to like address. working. My mind's working like really out of sync with reality right now, which would make me a great character in the Pixels. Well, and I think that makes Pixels seem possible, plausible. Uh, if you abandon logic, yeah, uh, and, and proportion. And I was honestly, when I was looking through the Amazon X-ray, I kept waiting for one of the facts to come up that just said, this scene makes no sense. So Ludlow brings Sam to his house, which is, or his, his home, which is, is in his grandmother's basement, because that's a funny thing. Uh, that's a funny stereotype of, of nerdy shut-in video game players that we can reference. Yeah. Um, I actually, this when, when I saw that he lived in his grandmother's basement, I grew another asshole. <laughs> That was like so out funny. of one of my butt cheeks, right? so that more blood could spray out of it, like the vomit in The Exorcist. And Lud- because I found it so funny. And Ludlow shows Sam a flip book that he's made, depicting Ludlow and Lady Lisa, the video game character that Ludlow re- he remains in love with to this day. Uh, this flip book depicts them meeting, getting married, and Ludlow uh, suddenly having six-pack abs. Yeah. And it's not clear why no, this... No sex depicted, no kissing. They just get married, and then he shows his, his abs. And that actually is funny. It, you, you just laughed in spite of yourself, and it wasn't... It wasn't strictly because of how stupid it was, but, the, like, the absurdity and stupidity of this obsession... This is one joke that I actually think works. Which is, you know, like, put that on a shining fucking pedestal. Congratulations, Pixel. You constructed a joke that functions as a joke at the bare minimum. I don't think it was intentional, though. I don't think it was intentional. Because to me, I I derive the comedy from the fact that it's very PG. It is very PG. But then you remember this is a film for kids. And I think that's just as far as they could take it. Ah. Oh. I don't think it was intentional. I think if this was a more adult thing, there would have been, like, hilarious flipbook boinking happening. Like, not, not clearly not cocks going in, but at least, like, a, a bed well, sp- and, like, I mean, bouncing or something. That would be my expectation of an Adam Sandler film. And so, I, I don't know, maybe by subverting that expectation and having it be so PG, because they still could have done some things that would not have crossed that line but to have him you know this this very clearly and they even reference how how good Ludlow looks as though he is as though Sam knows that Ludlow has some kind of body image issues that he's trying to work through or that he's trying to lose weight and you know because they they mentioned the he's on a protein diet and and carbs which is not funny Oh god, this movie's so not funny. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's there's there are things that sort of establish it and and that joke could work and it does kind of work for me because I think it's just it's silly in just enough of a way. Um it, it is it is the joke upon which uh the entire foundation of humor in this film should be built. Because it's it's really just about the only one I recognize as being a yeah. proper joke. But again, I but but I, I you know you could be right. They could have just joke. stumbled into that. Um, who who? I think the joke is supposed to just be that he's obsessed with Lady Lisa. <sighs> so Ludlow then reveals that he too knows that Galaga has attacked, having hacked the government's computers following a tip from a contact in Guam. How he managed to do this? 
When he earlier stated that he had been in Sam's van since arriving at Violet's house earlier in the day, which the film suggested happened prior to the attack beginning, I can't tell you. Fuck, you're right. But all of these things that have, like, and, and it's not even supported by the math. Because we, the first time we see Sam in this day, it's lunchtime. He's having lunch with the president. So we can estimate that it's about noonish, maybe one o'clock, right? Uh, in Washington, D.C. on the East Coast. Okay. There is a nine hour time discrepancy between Guam and Washington, D.C. And when they indicate the time of the you know first scene where you see Guam and they're coming down, it lists the time as 622. So they have very clearly set up a timetable where all of these things are supposed to be happening in parallel. Yeah. And then they put the character who did all of the research for this in a position where it seems incredibly unlikely that he could have accomplished this. Especially when you look at the technology that exists in his home, which is entirely CRT displays, and, like, he's not... It, 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 it completely... The, the barest scrutiny, the plot completely unravels. You have officially thought about the plot of the entire plot of Pixels more than anyone involved with the film did. It's just, it hurts so much because it's so bald faced to me. How do you miss this? You look at it. If you're watching Pixels at the beginning of the film, they show the logos of four production companies, production and distribution companies that were associated and put their names on the thing that was about to follow. And when you figure that this, those, each of those companies are, they constitute many people all working together to a common end. And you see the result and realize that none of them cared enough to prevent this from coming out this bad. Or that they all worked hard at it, and this was the result. And it's just like, it it eliminates your faith in humanity. <laughs> you just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he then yells... They were all there... For, I mean, it's a happy Madison film. <sighs> they are all there for the paycheck. That That is it. He then yells uh, at his grandmother, this... Ludlow. I'm talking about. Oh. About yeah, we gotta keep yeah. moving. I mean, we're an hour and a half in. I know. And I know. and we bear, we haven't even seen the fucking aliens yet. All right, let's let's try. I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push. Them. Okay. Yeah. So um, he uh, Ludlow then yells at his grandmother about diet soda, and that's funny. And Ludlow believes the aliens have, as Dan Aykroyd suggested 30 years ago, found the footage of the 19. 82 World Video Arcade Championships and made real-life versions of the games to attack Earth. And then this is proven out. Every every time they give you plot exposition, they then supply you the, the evidence that led the character to this conclusion that says exactly yeah. the fucking thing that they just said. Um... Well, you, you, you're doing a thing for Sandler fans. You've got to really reinforce this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Ludlow has this recording that he that he apparently recorded the night before, but again, this doesn't fit into the chronological progression of the plot because the recording would have been, or the transmission would have been sent after the attack while he was in the van and not the night before. So none of this shit makes sense. No. 
Um, and he wouldn't have been able to get home to watch this and discover the message and then deliver this. It's just fucking... Well, okay, fine. It just it doesn't, it doesn't work. Sense. It doesn't make sense. Move uh, it doesn't make sense. The tape essentially restates Ludlow's assertions and then adds that the video game championship footage was seen as a hostile challenge, specifically that the aliens already claimed the first of three victories, and with it a trophy, which is the soldier that was turned into voxels at the end of the Guam attack, and then communicates where the next ba- where and when the next battle is going to take place, which yeah. is like... Quick diversion, just to say that, admittedly, this was kind of clever that they used footage of Reagan Yes, and, you know... And um, they manipulated footage of... They... they, they Digitally inserted other lips. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, to, so it looks like they they assumed familiar forms. So you've got Reagan and, and Tammy Madonna Faye Baker. Uh, Tammy, Tammy Faye, Faye Baker was Baker. an inspired choice, I thought. Um, yeah, just explaining that they're aliens and, and everything, which a it is a clever idea, but b also means we never ever once see the actual aliens in this film except for a very brief flicker of one as it turns into Reagan. And this saves having to pay artists and designers and, and, and working on an actual original concept for what an alien would look like. But you know what? I'm going to forgive it as... as at le- I, I, I'm going to forgive it for now because later I'm going to revoke that, <laughs> that forgiveness because it's, it's a kind of clever approach. It fits it is a clever context and it's, it and it's executed well. Uh, certainly yes. by comparison to just about everything in this film. Um, yeah. So, good on you. You did something not entirely wrong. Uh, President Kevin James is presented with the video uh, in the Oval Office where Ludlow is also apparently just allowed to hang out. Uh, you know, this conspiracy anti-government nut. But sure, why not? And Ludlow explains that the attack is likely to happen in India if the numbers that were they were given was latitude and longitude. And President Kevin James doesn't think he has the political will to order a military action on such flimsy evidence, so he decides to wait. Um, yeah. It's also, um, just on a meta level, okay for the film to destroy India. Not Britain or America, but it's okay to blow up uh, a very important Indian monument. And Guam. And I mean, Guam. granted, that's an American... It was an American military installation that was attacked, and and that that's that serves as A, to be more palatable, I think, as, a, as, as oh, yeah, an attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it's, it's, and, it's fine to attack a military base, but we're not going to see the White House blown up like an Independence Day. Taj Mahal, however! And, and B, it, it, allows, uh, it allows this plot to continue to function... <laughs> Uh, because it's a small enough scale attack that it you could have deniability about it, um, and so they do. They say they tell that they, they say the press to the press that there was a weapons test that went wrong, and that's what happened yeah. at the Guam base. So they're able to keep it under wraps up to this point. Um, so we cut to India, where a young man is proposing to a woman in front of the Taj Mahal. Um, but the ev- oh hello, can I just in the world? Oh please do, Adam. It, please it's do. It's me, Adam Sandler, star of Grown Ups too. Uh, I got a fact for you. Oh wonderful, Adam. Uh, what facts have you got for us this time? An Indian version of the Spandau Ballet song True uh, plays during the scene where the Indian teen proposes to the girl, and that's been in previous Adam Sandler films. And at this point, and this is where I editorialise again, this isn't what the full fact says. At this point, let's talk about the women with the V names, because Adam Sandler films always have women with uh, V in their name. I did not know um, that. Yeah. 
And there are various other recurring names that happen in a lot of Adam Sandler films. And I just want to mention how all these things are interesting. Like, you know, Tarantino with his foot fetish that comes up in films. It's or, interesting or David to Wayne remember. with the character of Jim Stansel, who is in... Yeah, David Wayne with Jim Stansel. Uh, James Wan films always have a reference to the puppet from Saw in right. them. Um, these little trademarks are interesting until you remember that Adam Sandler has loads of them. And therefore it's not a running thing like the feet or, or the, the Billy puppet. That's an interesting trademark. It's just another compounding of laziness. <laughs> because here's another he one of these things tra- we can yeah. fill in, and he has too many trademarks. Uh, one or two is fine, but he has like, oh, let's have a woman with another V in a name, and also do Spandau Ballet's tr- uh, true. You oh, know, and, it's, and it's... like Alfred Hitchcock, he appears in all of his films. Yeah. Stan Lee in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, or in, and the Sony Marvel yeah. films. Um, interesting trademarks. But, and, and, but I mean, I th- I'm just saying that that's one trademark Adam Sandler could really, like, abandon. The one that, that uh, you know, Hitchcock did um, appearing in the film. Yes! Yeah, that would be That would good. be good. Like, it, that's the first trademark I'd eliminate. Of an Adam yeah, Sandler. Yeah, the second film. one would be writing them. I don't. I don't think he had anything to do with the writing of this. In fairness, in this one, Did he not write this. I one? don't think he wrote this one. Uh, I guess that would explain why there's no one getting kicked in the car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one was uh, was written by uh, Tim Herlihy, which is who is Sandler's ri- longtime writing partner. Oh, well, there you uh, go. So that's why okay. it still feels like an Adam Sandler film. But yeah. maybe... That's interesting, though, because Adam Sandler must have only got one paycheck for this one. Uh, well, he got... Yeah, he got produ- he got producer. Ah, okay. Uh, and starring... So, you know, he'll... he'll I was about to worry. He, he tur- he, yeah, he got top billing, and then he gets to pull a producer role salary from his production company. Alright. So, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. It's cool. Don't worry. Adam Sandler made a little money on this. Phew. Yeah. Yeah, we. I know everyone was very, very concerned. Um, so uh, this proposal is taking place, but the interrupt uh, in India. But the event is interrupted by the next alien attack, which assumes the form of Arkanoid, uh, which, by the way, came out in 1986. Right, and I know Arkanoid's simple, go. and you could be all like, "Oh, it's breakout." Uh, but Adam, no, fuck you. Uh, that paddle catches the ball, and that's an innovation introduced in Arkanoid. You have fucking red sides to the white paddle. It's a fucking Arkanoid paddle. You're four years early. Fuck you. Now, over he- now humiliated by his, his failure to act, uh, President Cam- Kevin James has brought in Sam and Ludlow uh, to help out dealing with this alien threat. And ta- it takes them to a DARPA lab that's run by Violet. And she objects, uh, but she gets overruled while Sam and, and Ludlow mock her. Uh, it's very funny. She then explains how the video game element seems to have been created with some form of light energy and, and shows them how a cube disintegrates things it touches. There is no explanation given as to why it does not affect the box that is this like cube doesn't affect the box that it's stored in, nor how they managed to get it in there in the first place, but fine, whatever. No. Not important. Uh, it, yeah, it's like, don't explain the science of your film if you're not going to explain the science of your film. Right, right, yeah, because then she then goes on to demonstrate shooting the laser thing that they built. Yeah, none of this was necessary. It, it was, she just could have said... We made we lasers. lasers Everyone would have gotten it. Yeah. Yep. 
Also, there's a guy with a bit of a robot head in this scene, as if they're trying to do the the, the scene in Men in Black where Will Smith first sees the 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 the, the place full of aliens. But it's the only weird but thing they in only the room. Went as far as one guy with a robot head. <laughs> It's so sad. Lazy fucks. <laughs> uh, so Sam then asks to see the sl- slut... Si- uh, pfft, alliteration, fun. Asks to see the slut-shaming missile that they're working on, referencing the very funny joke from earlier, and provoking Violet into an argument about the only other time they've spent together. While the president of the fucking United States and Ludlow look on awkwardly uh, to brilliant comic effect... It's very funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, needless to say, the other ass cheek sprouted a third butthole and blood came out of it. Sam and Ludlow are brought before a group of Navy SEALs selected to fight the aliens and are given two minutes to speak to them as video game advisors. Though initially terrified, in a completely unpredictable turn of events that no one saw coming, the character of Ludlow, who is exactly what you need when you need him crazy suddenly launches yes into... that's it hmm? his whole personality is when you need something to be wacky in a scene he'll do something wacky. right uh, he suddenly launches into this drill sergeant performance inspired by full metal jacket which is both it's just it's funny both because it's unexpected and he looks silly doing it yeah. and then uh sam in, in It also serves to make Sam look good by comparison uh, with his quote-unquote inspirational speech where he points out he's a buffoon and then strings together a lot of polysyllabic words in an attempt to make played a lot of video games sound like a legitimate training exercise done towards an end. Um, and it's very funny because the music suggests that the words he's saying are, are highly inspirational when they're not. Uh, there's a little ju- juxtaposition humor there. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler also tries to hit on the kid that's there for some reason. Yeah, odd. He's like, it keeps... Yeah, the the, the DARPA chief, um, Michelle Mahone, brings her child there because she couldn't get a babysitter. So he's allowed in the secret military base with the robot man. And for some reason, the way Adam Sandler like notices the kid and then he's all like, oh, hey, it, it looks like he's grooming him. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's 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 a little unsettling. It's like a, a, a little nod and a wink and just gross. Yeah. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, it's just me, Adam Sandler. Uh, I just, I gotta give Jim this. Uh, okay. I was in Little Nicky. Thanks. Um, it was around about this time that Amazon decided to tell me that the film is based on a 2010 short film by French director Patrick Jean and distributed by One More Productions. Yeah. Okay. So after this speech, uh, the SEALs then practice arcade games, and Sam gives them encouragement, and uh, Ludlow slaps their asses. It's, it's great. It's very yeah. funny. He slaps slaps their asses because, again, we need some something wacky to happen. Yeah. Fuck me. Um... While making a cake at a cake-making shop with his wife, who is tragically played by Jane Krakowski, and, um... Right? She's an actual, like, like funny actress. She's incredibly talented. She gets about four lines of dialogue in this fucking film. And listen, listen, this right now I want to sort of stop, and I know, I know we're, it's a very long episode, and, and we've done a, a lot, but I... Listen, if Jane, Jane, if you're listening, 
if someone has you somewhere, if someone is forcing you to appear in things like this, um, we can help you. You're not alone. You're not. Uh, you know, uh, we have people who can come and rescue you. Just get us a message uh, any way that you can. Tell us where you are because we're worried about you and, and we care. But yeah, yeah so Kevin James is making a cake with his pie. wife. The first lady. She gets, uh, he, he, uh, someone comes in. Oh, I should point out, again, uh, just a brief interlude. Earlier in the film, Kevin James mentions how his wife doesn't love him. And, and they're drifting apart. And here they have this... That's never shown in the that's, film. That's, uh, you know, uh, okay. Uh, mm, yes and no? Again. Oh, God, stop undermining me when I'm having a go at Again, again I'm going to argue that. That, that. that doesn't mean it's done well. That's the thing. What What's great about it is it's done just as well as you'd expect from Sandler. So you do get to eat, have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. Which, hey, that's a, that ties in... See, I just did a fun reference joke, like the ones in Pixels. Because we're talking about a scene in a cake-making shop. Uh, so he gets... Wow, that was a real good one. Do you mind if I watch Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. The, you, can, you can have that for one of your movies. Uh, please, by oh, all means. Wow. It's, uh, I feel like the cat I, I would, got the queen. In fact, I would appreciate That's it if you gave reference. me no credit whatsever. When you no take credit it. whatsoever. <laughs> That's no problem for me to do. Uh, so he, uh, the president. I'm, I'm making a sound effect about a sound of writing. <laughs> <laughs> the president gets a notification of the next combat site, which is said to have come from the Where's the Beef Lady. That's a, another reference thing. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they, she says, We got a message from the Where's the Beef Lady. And he says, What did she say? <laughs> and she said she wanted to know where the beef was. But it wasn't delivered in a fun no, way. No, no. Uh, I mean, it's it's an obvious joke, and being an obvious joke, there are ways you could deliver that with a little wink that that would make it funny. Um, done. They, but they it, didn't. It just wasn't. No. Uh, so the next combat site turns out to be in a park in England, and uh, we get to meet Corporal Sean Bean. You know what would have made that funny? Hmm. If if all she'd have said was "Where's the beef?" <laughs> and and they're so just what does she at say? Like commercials I, I, on YouTube, and they don't realize it's not the aliens. <laughs> that would have been like funny. the where's the beef if, ad now... suddenly starts trending on YouTube, and 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 someone yeah. because someone has made a fake video like the other one. Oh, that just any way they could have taken it, like like where they unable to tell now, like they can't scrutinize the difference between an alien transmission and tell an me. Thing. Oh. Yeah, that's... I hate this movie so much. Uh, so, Corp Corporal Sean Bean's here. Uh, Ludlow tries to get the people in the park to clear out by telling one of them about the alien invasion that they're about to defend, and then Corporal Sean Bean says, oh, they're shooting a beer commercial. And this ex explanation is readily accepted, because that would be funny. Um, and, of course, it would be, because it's an equally rational reason for the kind of military presence that has suddenly surrounded this park. Um... So, funny for lots and lots of reasons, guys. Very, very funny. Um, 
President Kevin James meets with the Prime Minister in, of England, who expresses her happiness to assist the American forces in repelling the American <sighs> attack by using the maximum number of British slang expressions possible. Which is very funny. Ones that aren't even real. Are they? I, I don't like, know. I that's the thing. Really I would assume that they aren't like that real. Ever. That, 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 because I know this group of people writing this and feel like they would add more of them. They would insert additional ones that they created because they couldn't find enough to make it a non-stop string of them. Like the joke is she's talking an all pip-pip cheerio voice and he can't understand her. Ha ha. Like, I... It's I, oh, so this, funny. This scene was almost as bad as him giving his wacky comedy roast to the Situation Room. Yeah, it's right up there. Now, eventually, the aliens do arrive, and they take the form of the game Centipede. And Sam give, starts giving advice to the SEALs to shoot the centipedes in the head, and not in the body, because they'll split. And, but they don't understand that they can also just shoot the mushrooms, and they don't understand the pattern the enemies move in. And so one centipede hits the ground and, like, totally viciously, like, rends a dude. It was a really good effect. I will give the film that. The moment where the centipede grabs a soldier, like, and then, like, a kind of alligator or something, like, throws him in the air and snaps at him, and he explodes into pixels. Voxels. Voxels, sorry. <laughs> explodes into voxels, into, into CGI cubes. Um, genuinely very nicely yeah. done. Like, I actually really liked that. And that's the one thing in this film I genuinely really, really liked. Now, eventually, Sam just takes control takes control of one of the laser guns from a seal and single-handedly wipes out all the remaining enemies yeah. in the way. Well, Sean Bean gets distracted because he goes to tell the onlookers that they're shooting a beer commercial right, he could, and they don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because from but his distance he could hear that one guy what beer commercial, what beer is this commercial <laughs> for? Like... And he's like, oh, if we're shooting a beer commercial, we're shooting a beer But he has to travel thing. 25, 30 feet distance yeah. well, that well, he heard this guy with I, all the, of this other shit going on around it. I've really got to make this Sorry. point, though, because it's I've been sat on it for the whole time, and now it's gasping for air because I'm fat. Um, I've, I, oh, this is... Half the world already knows it's an alien attack by now. Yes. Yes. We see news stories about the alien attack. They're covering up nothing. There's no reason to cover anything <laughs> I, up. I, I the don't only know why that didn't occur to me. Yeah, the only reason Sean Bean is continuing the beer commercial thing is because the film needed more jokes. Yeah, that's what... And that was That's a joke. what's so, I think, amazing about Pixels as a film, is that every time I think I've got it pegged, every th time I think I have seen the full scope of how, like, lazy and awful it is, another example rises to the surface. It's... If it were intentionally like this, it would be a masterpiece. But sadly, no. Um, no. Eventually, so so Sam clears this first wave, and then he tries to get Ludlow to help him with level two, but Ludlow act, lacks the confidence to fight at first, until the president orders command to be given over the nerds, and the two defeat most of the wave, and then get to embarrass Admiral Porter and Corporal Sean Bean after they doubted him with, uh, you know, killing a spider right before it lands on them. They do yeah. that. I mean, they hilariously hug each it's other. It's so funny. I've never seen 
uh, uh, situation where two characters that we as viewers are supposed to view with disdain because of their feelings towards our our hero that we love and admire, um, uh, put them in a position where they hug each other in terror, uh, thus reducing their masculinity and raising yeah. the, the masculinity <laughs> of our hero in, in, in response. Uh, I've never seen that done <laughs> oh god, it's a oh, 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 oh! Hold on, blood spraying out of my anus again! <sighs> One of these centipedes leaves the play area and Sam pursues it into an apartment building where it pauses briefly to perform some aerobics behind an unobserving yes. elderly woman who is exercising. Which is funny, because it's an unexpected thing for the alien creature on an attacking rampage to stop to do, and the old woman, yeah. because of her age, doesn't notice it happening. Plus, it has a smiling expression on its face to let us know that we're all having a good, funny time here. And Sam then catches up with it and destroys it just before it can kill a small child, stupidly staring up at it as it falls from the fifth-story balcony. Excuse me! Oh, hello, Adam. Is Adam Shandwell a star of some other films that I'd be able to say if I didn't close the tap by accident? <laughs> Uh, I got a fact for you. It's a real, real good you know, one, and it came up at this point in the film. In this, in light of this, uh, of this movie, I, I wholly believe that Adam Sandler has so little investment in his career that he would n not remember the films he'd done. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense, yes. Adam. Go, but but yeah. please, Jim, okay. the fact. Yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Uh, thanks, Adam, for, for passing that on. Um, also shown in IMAX 3D. All right, that is. <laughs> All right, I mean, it, this is the first point of real visual spectacle in the film. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Um, also the the uh, a point where the the aliens break their own rules. Yeah. Because the centipedes were supposed to act like centipedes from centipede, and this one goes off and does aerobics. Right, and, and and just and literally leaves the play area, which is not something a centipede yeah. would do. So it, it broke the movie broke its own rules just to have a thrilling chase. Right, but other. then it undermines. Which is fine. It would be fine if the the if there were not already baked into the plot a a twist to where the human players having broken the rules somehow somehow causes yeah. them to forfeit the competition or at the very least at the very least if the joke was funny enough to warrant breaking it because in a comedy film that trumps sure. all you sure. know, if it's funny fuck the rules but it was it is it is one of the funniest jokes in this film but that bar is so subterranean that it's still not worth it. In any other film, it would not have been worth it. In this, it winds up, you know, maybe being the third or fourth best attempt at a joke. So. Yeah, I mean, again, in a better film, it, it could have worked. Yep. Um, you know. Uh, so, after I, the battle, the yeah, soldiers are having drinks at the pub. And Violet suggests that Sam enjoy the cool, refreshing taste of Crystal Head Vodka, triple distilled through diamonds. Mm. Dan Aykroyd um, 
Mike yeah, he Stark, sure does. He, he sure he does. And, and as I encourage people who watch the live broadcast, um, go to YouTube and you can see a fantastic, like, twenty-minute advertisement for Crystal Head Vodka featuring oh, yes. Dan Aykroyd. It will change your I life. That. Uh, if if you have to choose between watching Pixels and watching the Crystal Head Vodka commercial five times in order to sort of make up the same amount of time, not a choice. You will get oh, yeah. Crystal Head every far time. more belly laughs in the Crystal Head Vodka. Um, yeah. yeah. And may I also say that Crystal Head Vodka has a smooth, refreshing taste that uh, can't be beat. And the triple distillation through crystals is exactly why, diamonds, is exactly why uh, it's such a, an enriching uh, beverage of choice for me and my family this Thanksgiving. So President Kevin Sorry, James I, shows I up at the... in the Adam Sandler voice. <laughs> President Kevin James shows up to congratulate everybody at the pub and drinks beer from the pitcher in a very funny statement rejecting preconceived notions of how a president should appear dignified. It's it's all very, very funny. Well, you know, we, we, we want a, a president who'll buck political trends. Well, and it gets to reference really, that really whole... It, to the it, it go, gets to reference one of the, the more asinine questions we ask about our presidents in polling is, would you like to have a beer with this person? Uh, which I don't see why that has any fuck all to do with them leading my country yeah yeah um but but let me just state for the record i never want to have a beer with kevin james no 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 um so the uh aliens appear on television again to congratulate the earth uh on their victory and they they use um uh fantasy island uh, and yes. tattoo for that, and that that was pretty good. Again, this, these sequences are okay. Sequences are fine, uh, and um, they say that they've sent one of their warriors down to Earth as a trophy. Uh, but you know, they they sent it to they sent it to the apartment of the old woman that uh, that the centipede came into her apartment, and it's the duck hunt dog. Yeah, and yeah. this is cute. Uh, I can't it's, I can't help yeah. but feel like the hand of Nintendo on this. Like, making sure that its property at least gets presented with some measure of dignity and respect. As opposed to so much yeah, of this I mean, film. Being in Pixels to begin with robs it of, of most of its dignity and respect. But they do do a cute little scene where the dog acts like a dog and licks the old woman's face and she's happy. And, yeah. Now, it, 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 it doesn't help our main characters because now they're left with, like, what trophy... You know, and so the Cubert thing later comes seems to come out of the, nowhere, but fine. Um, yeah, why? Why did, uh, why did it happen? I do not know. It it wasn't funny, and it didn't serve the plot. It, I do it, not know. It was just they just wanted the duck hunt dog. I guess. I mean, I, it's it's uh, it's all right because I think there's something kind of there's. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, I think I can oh, answer that question. Oh, go on, please, Adam. I, I got a little fact here that could answer the question that you just asked. I'm just going to hand this over to you now. It's me, Adam Sandler, star of Die Hard with a Vengeance, probably. Thanks, Adam. Let's see what we got here. <clears throat> Contrary to his many other films, Sean Bean survives this movie. You know, I'm... Uh, uh... I mean, I don't understand why he's in, why it's in this scene, where he really doesn't speak. I, he's probably 
in the scene, but you don't really, he has no, there's no focus on him. He's probably not even in the scene. Probably, they probably yeah. just saved yeah, the money I mean, on, on his time. I, I forget the exact timestamp of that fact. It was, it was sometime after the, the centipede chase. Yeah, so, it, um, but, so, so yeah. they bring that up at a time when he's not, and, and yeah, not the, seen the, again. The, the, thanks, thanks, Adam. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. That, that is, that is useful to, to someone. Um, so the, uh, the aliens remind the Earth that uh, they're still losing in this battle overall, two rounds to one, and that's a real buzzkill for everybody that was partying. So President Kevin James tells Sam and Ludlow to get ready for their next battle, um, and, which catches Sam and Ludlow by surprise because, you know, they didn't think that this was going to be an ongoing thing with them fighting. Um, but the president points out that Sam's the best at these video games, and, uh, although Ludlow suggests, hey, you know, there is someone better, reminding us all an eternity ago, I mean, just an eternity ago, of Eddie Plant, who once defeated Sam at Donkey Kong. So President Kevin James, Sam, and Violet go to find Eddie Plant, who's in prison, where he's been serving time for fraud. Um, the, the description of the crimes he committed should be a funny satirical joke about um, transaction fees in uh on bills from utilities um, but it's yeah. not just just so you know no. they did you know what would have been a funnier hmm. joke if he was in there for fraud and the description of the fraud was shat out a bunch of shitty movies on a self-made production company starring his old and tired snl friends oh oh he got involved um, to make quick up quick he money. was it was it was it was uh he got caught up in a tax funding scheme or a tax uh, a tax a, a, a money laundering scheme through the film uh, production system that had him churning out crappy movies. Yeah. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. I wonder why they I didn't can't imagine. Because like uh, that's, that's, uh, uh, uh. that, you know, d- plays into the whole referential theme at the same time. Yeah, that would have been smart. Um, hmm. Missed yeah. opportunity, I guess. So... I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So Eddie and Sam talk a little smack before they sit down, and then President Kevin James asks for Eddie's help. But Eddie has a list of demands, um, which are very funny, because they are extreme. Yeah. Uh, like an island, uh, a full pardon, freedom from all taxes, including sales tax, which uh, he then illustrates in, in a, a manner that describes he gets to carry around a card to present when he's making purchases that says, I saved the world, I don't have to pay no sales tax. Um, an attack helicopter, and a threesome with Serena Williams and Martha Stewart in the Lincoln bedroom. Can you imagine how funny that would be? Can you imagine? The thing is... I'm sarcastic about that, even though it is the one joke that worked later in the film. And all of this... All of this shit. In a better movie. All of these jokes. if, 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 If Eddie had any other redeeming quality that we could cling to at another time in the film... This sequence could be really funny. Oh yeah, especially with the uh, the promise of him ignoring all those demands because he gets to go to New York. Yeah, which is what it looks like is the setup for this. I, I didn't because he gets really excited about New and York. And if that was the aim there, it it doesn't land quite right. It doesn't. At all. Um, but but it just makes me think that we could structure this in a way that he makes these impossible list of demands. 
They say no. He's like, well, I'm not going to help you. And then they're like, the next attack's in New York. And then he's all like, I'm in, because I love New Right, York. but that's not what happens. Instead, the president talks <laughs> him down uh, to the pardon, the taxes, and a coffee with Serena Williams. Um, yes. And that is, I mean, the negotiation down thing is also also has the potential for comedy. Um, yeah, but it, it goes on too long without any reason. Well, the problem is is that it's an exchange that's carried out between uh, one actor who's genuinely doing his job and doing the best he can with what he's got and Kevin James. And Paul Blart, Mulcock. Right, yeah. and so and that's... They, he, they don't have... Kevin James doesn't have the comedic chops to pull this off. I, no. So I I don't feel which I I want I look at Kevin James and this is like the insidious thing about him I look at him and I want him to be funny. Yeah. Oh no no yeah definitely like he he is like he's like a a, a bigger Vince Vaughn. His presence we yeah. can all dig his with. presence his presence alone is like the setup for good times. Yeah yeah um I I've seen him compared to like. Like, I've seen him compared, not not favourably, mind, but I've seen him compared to Chris Farley. Mm -hmm. In that Chris Farley, like Kevin James, you put him in a scene and his presence, like you say, is the setup for a good goof. The difference is, of course, Chris Farley would deliver. And Kevin James doesn't. Kevin James is just there. And and there there are brief moments? He's not even fat enough for the fat jokes they make around him to work. No. No. He's not even fat enough. That's how bad Kevin James is. He's a fat guy joke actor. Who could not take it far enough. He was too lazy. Couldn't have even eaten those extra burgers. (laughs) And that's why I'm a better actor than Kevin James. Because me... I'll eat that second half of that Hawaiian pizza. Don't you fucking worry about it. I'll commit. I'll eat the whole thing. But where, where, where's, where's my easy Happy Madison paycheck? Mm, well, the problem is, is that it, what it is is that we're all sort of depending on you to become the Adam Sandler. And so, so that, so that the rest of us that sort of work with you get to be Kevin James's and uh, That's and true. David Spades yeah. and um and well, I better work on Adam sanding myself and, and, down. Uh, like I, I mean, I've always kind of wanted to be Rob Schneider. So yeah, yeah, you get to be Rob. All Schneider. right, we'll have um yeah yeah we'll get uh we'll get Chip to be Kevin. There James. we go. I'll, I'll I'll force a couple of burgers down his mouth. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, word comes in that the next battle is going to be in that night in New York City. So uh, Sam, Eddie, Ludlow, and Violet arrive there, and they meet with a cop that saw the alien threat. Again, another talented comedic actor, Nick Swartzen, um, who's I, I hope got got paid uh, you know a little bit of money for his time because otherwise there was no point to him being here. Uh, but he yeah. he talks about having witnessed Pac-Man in the city. Uh, so the the bad guy's Pac-Man, which doesn't really make sense. Like the 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 aliens don't understand the games, and maybe that that's why. Maybe that's what this is trying to put out there. That the the but because it's so tacitly accepted, 
by the characters in the scenes. Yeah. It's it's and and also I should point out like not only is it tacitly accepted that okay Pac-Man is the good guy in the game but in this one sequence he's the bad guy which breaks consistency with what the aliens have been doing up to now. Uh, that's compounded by um, them saying, "Oh, we don't need laser beams to shoot." No, it's no, it's Even laser beams won't work. Stuff. Yeah, for some reason, the, we know this somehow. Yeah. We need little ghosts, and then Michelle Monaghan says, "Oh, we've got that covered," and it instantly cuts to the cars where they've got like mini um, mini cars. coopers, mini coopers, uh, coloured like the ghosts, but at no point. Does she explain that she researched Pac-Man or knows enough about Pac-Man to have done this? She surprises the experts. Adam Sand, you know, at this point, I think they're already called the Arcaders at this point. Um, she, the, the actual people who are there as, as the guys who know video games. She surprises them by having already made these ghost cards. In fairness... The amount of research that would be necessary to go from our enemy is Pac-Man to ghosts kill Pac-Man is like the most perfunctory. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's true. But this is the world of pixels where the only people to have heard of these old video games are Adam Sandler, the guy who was the snowman in Frozen and um, the president of the United uh, States. The president and and um, some some Peter and Dinklage. some uh, millennial guy in the situation room who you know apparently yeah so like a handful of people in the world of pixels she doesn't know video games no one working at the White House knows video games or wanted to research or showed any evidence of them having researched video games they just quick cut to the cars yeah. I wanted at least a line saying, oh, well, you know, we've all started to take you seriously now, and now we're researching video games, which would have helped set up the better ending I've written. Yeah. But instead, it's just, oh, no, we, we, we're going to have a, a car chase scene now. And, uh, yeah, so she takes them to uh, to see the, the Mini Coopers. Uh, in the colors of the Pac-Man ghost that she has immediately available. And she introduced them to their fourth driver to round out their team, which is uh, Toru Iwatani, the creator of Pac-Man. Uh, Ludlow speaks to him in Japanese before it's hilariously revealed that uh, he does not know the language. He, he doesn't. He's, he, he was just So, so funny. So funny. And uh, Eddie is a straight-up asshole to him, saying he made his game his bitch. Uh, thus reinforcing the complete uselessness of Eddie as a, as a character. Um, yeah, he's a bad guy, by the way. Uh, the four hit the streets, directed to Pac-Man's location by Violet from a monitoring station, uh, upon... F uh, what, 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 um, city is this New York, it's in New York. Oh! Oh, really? Well, that's, well, that's where it's supposed to be. Why, uh, Adam, that's do you have more, more information? Like... About where this well, yes, actually I, shot? Yes, I do. I, I, I'm Adam... Hi, I don't know if you've been following along, but I'm Adam Sandler. I starred in Pirates of the Caribbean as Captain Jack Feathers. And I got a fact for you. 
Oh, thanks, Adam. That's a very aggressive at the end there. Right. General trivia. The movie poster for Pixels. It's actually quite a well-known poster, mostly because more people looked at the poster than wanted to see the film. Um, it shows Pac-Man attacking the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if I... Many of you listening, if you've not, not even seen the film, you should at least remember that poster. It's big pack, giant Pac-Man, way bigger than the one in mm -hmm. the film. Giant Pac-Man going after the Golden Gate Bridge. San Francisco isn't even mentioned in the film, and the whole film was shot on location in uh, Toronto anyway, so they're not even just, in New just to York. Just the, the scale of this in perspective, when when you say Pac-Man's eating the Golden Gate Bridge, he's actually eating the, the entire downtown of San Francisco, and the bridge is in the foreground. <laughs> Oh, right, right, yeah. That's how fucking... That's not... Like, all of... Like, half of the downtown of San Francisco is in his open mouth, and it's indicating that it's, like, a dot he's eating. Yeah. That would have been a, an efficient way for the aliens to have tried to destroy Earth. It sure end, would have been, but instead, they gave us a 90-minute movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's the thing. That's the real attack. That's the real alien attack. This... Yes. Uh, wake up, sheeple. This is how they're getting us. This film. Yeah. Fuckers. So, um... You learn that from your buddy in That's Guar. right. Uh, so, Violet's, Violet directs them to Pac-Man's location from a monitoring station and their Mini Coopers. And upon, upon finding Pac-Man, uh, Toru gets out of his car and approaches the alien thing, expecting to be able to reason with it as his father in a very, very fun, uh, funny setup for a joke that they spend... The perfect amount of time on build-up for. Um, he, uh, for the punchline where it, it bites his hand, and uh, literally and figuratively, Toru does an about-face, screaming about how it should now be killed. Yeah, somebody shoot this stupid thing! <laughs> Which already is a, an obvious thing, an obvious joke, but I'm sure, you know, people found it funny. And then Adam Sandler, terrified that people wouldn't have gotten the joke, follows it up in the way a Dilbert cartoon follows up a joke with a reinforcement of a joke. Because Scott Adams, as well as being just a, a literal monster of a man, uh, isn't very funny. So Adam Sandler looks at, at this, you know, Pac-Man biting um, uh, I I I Iwatani's arm and then goes, wow, Daddy some real messed up Geppetto Pinocchio stuff right there. Also, why did uh, Adam Sandler go Pac-Man's a bad guy? When, when they knew. I, it's not when they knew. Yeah. And it's not really pa None of these are real video game characters. They're aliens. I hate this. He's not Pac-Man. I hate so much. He's not Pac-Man. It's... He's just doing that. <laughs> so uh, Pac-Man runs away and the remaining ghosts pursue, splitting up to trap him. Violet watches on the monitor as Eddie moves unnaturally fast through the maze of streets and the trio easily trap Pac-Man and take one of his lives. After They never actually physically show the car that Eddie's in moving No, they don't fast. show the car moving that fast, but what they do demonstrate on this, they have this sort of visual UI laid over the grid of streets that they have determined to be in the combat area uh, to represent a Pac-Man maze. 
and then Pac-Man on the screen and the the ghost cars represented as ghosts. So it looks like they're watching the video game. And then you see the car that, uh, that Eddie's driving quickly, like, that ghost all of a sudden does this super speed move through the maze. Several blocks. Yeah. Several city blocks in a a second. That's not physically possible for a car to do. Right, right. And and yet this bothers nobody to the extent that they are, like, shocked or amazed. It is questioned, and then it's written off as him being that good. Eddie is so good at... Eddie is so good at video games. He also has the real-life powers of the fucking Flash. He can break the laws of physics by being as so good at video games. <laughs> and you know what? I'm sorry, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Yeah. In order to really express my disgust, I've got to give away the reveal that's a little later. Eddie cheats. Mm-hmm. He wears glasses that have cheat codes for Pac-Man written on the inside of the glass. He does this thing where he drops his sunglasses down to the uh, tip of his nose so that he can see the codes that he has uh, scraped yeah. into the insides of the lenses at the top. Now, we'll, we'll ignore the fact that there are cheat codes for Pac-Man until later. That's not the bit I'm interested in. Right now, I'm interested in where in that fucking Mini Cooper... Can you input cheat codes? And how do knowing cheat codes for video games let you break the laws of actual physics of the world? I'm going to take that one step further. Please do. Why would there be a cheat code that functions to benefit the enemies in this way? That he would already know. Holy shit. It's like a layer cake (laughs) of bullshit. This whole thing. So Eddie cheats. Eddie has a, a, a well-known Pac-Man cheat code that makes the ghosts unnaturally fast. Well enough known. Which... Well enough known that later Violet's kid Maddie is going to be yes. able to inst- going to be able to recognize this code, despite him thinking of games like Halo as being classics and expressing such in an earlier conversation with Adam Sandler. Yeah, that's true. That's also bullshit. Also, we can, we can cut into this layer cake even more. Why were there no judges seeing that he was doing this during the championship fight if it was such a well-known Oh, because they weren't pl- because he wasn't playing um Pac-Man in the final. It was Donkey Kong. But it was still the same premise. He was still using cheat codes. But but we don't know how the cheat codes might. Like I can I can rationalize well, we that. We don't one know away. how the cheat codes are, are, are inputted into a fucking. Car. I, all I'm all I'm saying is if that if we are going to um if if we have to go along with the film's conceit that cheat codes I in an arcade game are a thing that would have happened. Um. And can function in these ways. Like, like I'm just saying, we, we now have to... Like, we dug so deep into the cake of bullshit that the layers have started to blend together and congeal. Oh, yeah, I mean, the chocolate bit's fallen right into the vanilla sponge. Yeah. It's, it's a grey... This cake is a grey lump right now. <laughs> also, <laughs> if the... 
if the ghosts had been provided by the aliens, yeah, that that could have worked. Sure. It's like the the aliens are like, right, get in this big ghost. But the the ghosts. Something. Then there's a way to cheat to make them work because they're using game code. It's a mini Cooper. With, yeah, but it's it's it's. I guess they do sort of explain that it has this energy shield that surrounds it, and that's what is actually human made and not pertaining to video game right. rules. Yeah, they're not voxelized mini Coopers. They're normal cars. And if you're moving that fast, like, 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 Eddie should have been paced. He should have suffered total body disruption, <laughs> and his body should have just exploded into a fine red mist, moving that fast. <sighs> you can't cheat code Pac-Man. So after Pac-Man responds, uh, they again quickly trap it, but this time Pac-Man eats a power pellet. And the ghosts are forced to flee. Um, Why wouldn't the aliens be the ghosts? They have the advantage, and it's a lot harder to get the power pills. Why didn't they put them in a big yellow bowl um, and say, you've got to find the power pills, outside of the fact that you could put a voxelized Pac-Man on the fucking movie Oh, There's, there's another reason. Um, you can't then uh, show four... BMW Mini Coopers as oh, yes. as the ghosts. Oh yeah, my my mistake. Yeah, you got to get that product placement in. It's it's Oh, you got to get up early in the morning to catch Conrad. So Pac-Man starts chasing Ludlow, eating his car though uh Ludlow manages to escape the vehicle unharmed as it's ultimately destroyed and he continues to run from it on, on foot. Uh it this is supposed to take te- 10 seconds. Uh, it takes quite a bit longer, but, you know, whatever. Movie time. Um, eventually, Eddie shows up just as uh, Ludlow's about to get eaten and uh, takes Pac-Man's second life. So, good for Eddie. Uh, now, Eddie doesn't, Eddie doesn't make a turn as they continue to chase Pac-Man for this third and final life, and he winds up flying into the river, leaving just Sam to deal with Pac-Man's last life. And Pac-Man eats another power pellet, and Sam starts driving backwards through a parking garage, counting down the seconds until the pellet wears off, uh, then, then killing Pac-Man when time expires just before he's about to be consumed as he flies backwards out of the uh, parking garage onto the roof of a, uh, a building across an alley Does or something. Does his car touch Pac-Man? Because it looked to me like the power pill ran out and then Pac-Man just right, died. Right, but again, there's, it, 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 there's supposed to be an energy shield. The energy yeah. shield yeah. did it. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't actually ever quite hit, and that's... Yeah, it just it looked too far. It just it, Visually, my mind didn't yeah. allow that to work. Because um, he was driving backwards away from it, and then it just died, and it looked stupid. People on the street celebrate the heroic arcaders, and Ludlow shows up with the next trophy from the aliens, which is Cubert. Now, Eddie wants to kill it, because again, nothing you can't he can't say anything that you like in the fucking movie. Because yeah. uh, cause Adam Sandler, being a detestable um, little goblin, needs to invent a character so fucking awful that he looks likable by comparison. 
and he still fights. Now, Sam, yeah, right, right, because immediately Sam responds that he's more interested in making this thing live in fear by discussing, interrogating, and then killing it. Yeah, which, by the way, they don't interrogate no. it. No, they don't. Not no, right don't. now. So at a press conference... President Kevin James celebrates the significant boost in his approval ratings after the last two attacks have been repelled and is even praised by the press corps, uh, with the exception of one journalist who tries to make him look stupid and then gets mocked mercilessly by everyone in the room for it because this is a very funny commentary on how a president uh, who manages to secure uh, America uh, from uh, an outside threat uh, immediately becomes the darling of anybody uh, but supercritical elites. See, that's very funny. Yes. And, and I, want, I want everyone to remember how incredibly fucking funny that is right now. Just keep that in mind. Going forward, let's say, I don't know, for the next several years, just remember how funny this situation is. Very yeah, funny. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to stop laughing um, for about two weeks yeah. yeah yeah like i've been laughing really really a lot i've only managed to stop laughing long enough to record podcasts and videos and the moment i stop hitting record i'm guffawing belly full belly laughs so funny and you know that whole thing about side splitting as a metaphor for laughing a lot like, literal for me like i said blood everywhere mate so Admiral Porter watches this scene from home while getting drunk. And and I, I just I, I also like to point out This is his last, this is last scene. scene. And and I have to point out the irony of a general watching the press perform in exactly the way a general would want the press to perform in response to an uh, a ridiculous a, a battle won by ridiculous odds, but because it wasn't his branch of the military doing it, it's a problem. Yeah, well, he says to himself, you know, oh, it's Brian Cox again, someone who doesn't need to be in this film. Brian Cox going, you know, oh, I don't know what's worse, them losing or them winning. And then someone who sounded a bit like Bloodlow's grandmother, which would have been funny. That would have been funny. um, Yells from off screen and he yells back at her. And that's the last we see of Brian Cox's character, a character who... Had animosity towards um, Sandler and his friends. And, you know, there's... For no reason. And he's angry at them doing well for no reason. And has been written out of the film for no reason after being in the film for no reason. But, well, I don't know. I don't know. Because he does get this opportunity to have this this joke where he yells at uh, his, his wife from off screen. And, and we all know verbal domestic abuse. Very funny. Very so funny. many laughs. Very funny. So many laughs. Uh, if it had been Ludlow's grandmother... That, that actually would have been, would have been funny. It, it, and it would have maybe explained some of the what, animosity... Yeah, what the fuck? Why didn't... What? Not trusting an idiot grandson Why was that not introduced immediately at the point that Brian Cox and Josh Gad are in a scene together? Like... Uh, right? That's actually genuinely... Well I hate this movie! Can I just point out for the record, I have never heard Conrad scream fuck like that. Oh. I've never heard Conrad that genuinely exasperatedly angry at something. In the ye- and I've known him for many. And we're not years. even at the thing that I I like that personally hurts yet. Like yeah, the part yeah. the part where twist the part where pixels having 
stuck the knife in, has found yeah. the soft spot between the ribs. Specifically for you yes. as well. Like, it's a... It, and and a, again, as someone who has known Conrad for many years, like, it is so explicitly personally horrific for Conrad. Mm. I... And I'm so sorry that we made That's okay, you know, we're going to get through this together. Uh, at the DARPA lab, Sam watches hell. Violet's kid play some more video games, and again criticizes how these games aren't like the ones he used to play as a child. And he also expresses uh, concern about the violence, uh, not in regards to the child, but to Qbert, uh, which is very funny. Because, you know, oh, it, yeah. it sort of harkens back to the, the whole, you know, video game violence panic that ironically could he you know people of his age could have been a part of participating in because he was only interested in the games when they were very simple in the early 80s and had tuned out when 12 years later you know yeah. he's also uh, this scene where um they're playing what are they playing the last of us okay i, think. I, I take your word um, for it i couldn't recognize the game yeah um i think amazon x-ray helped me out um, and that's a kind of a statement on uh, if you wanted to make a statement about video games in this scene, it would be, I can recognize almost every video game in this uh, from the 80s because they have iconic features that make them stand out. And when they show me a game that was made in the last few years, I can't recognize it. Right, yeah. That's, that's a statement you um, could make. That is a statement that could be made. It, it's not made no, in the film. No, no. It wouldn't work in this um, film. No, no. Uh, but this scene would have also been a great setup for the better ending, I think. Mm, yeah, okay, please. Because Cuba is looking at this modern video game terrified. Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about how violent it is and how much blood. And and yeah. also, Cubert's voice. Um, feelings? Thoughts? I, I feel like everything else in this film is just kind of tepid in there. Uh, detestable, yeah. I find. I found I found Cubit's voice detestable. I think it would have been better if it was speaking in bleeps and bloops, and they either somehow understood yeah. it, or there were subtitles, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not that the voice when itself I... is bad, it's that the voice exists for no good reason. Yeah. When I saw clips of Cubit from the film um, in uh, with voiceovers from other reviewers and stuff, and I saw images of Cubit in pixels... That's what I thought they were going to do. Like, it would make funny noises and be kind of cute. Instead, they give it just a horrible... St Again, because it's, it's, it's a, a, a typical Sandler film, it's not a, a unique voice. It's the stereotypical bottom-of-the-barrel wacky cartoon character voice. Yeah. The <laughs> voice. And mm, 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 no, no, thank you. Not cute, not endearing. Uh, and I generally, you know, Cuba is a cute character, but somehow Pixels made him just unlikable. It's, he's, he's the most likable character, but it doesn't, oh, it doesn't yeah. clear the bar of actually being likable. Yeah. yeah. Again, in a better film, he'd have been a wonderful mascot character, a very fun, endearing, lovable character. In this film, he's the best of a bad lot, and that's no praise at all. <sighs> yeah. So, um, let's see, where were we? Oh, yeah, they were, they were talking about how violent the video games are and Cubert. And, and, and so, to, to make Cubert feel better, Sam starts tossing uh, cheese balls to him. 
like yeah. they're uh, you know because it, that's a better thing. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Making him perform it's a better thing to do in a you know to earn these cheese balls in a grim portent of what Kubert's future life on this planet might look like if the humans win this battle. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, dark. Um, uh, although to be honest, his 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 real fight at the end is probably no, the yeah, end. yeah. I know that's um, the thing. It actually they they go they go darker. Um, yeah, but but. This apparently throwing cheese balls for Cuba is a better use of of everybody's time than asking Cuba for any information about the alien enemy threat. So it would be like if you it would be like if you'd caught one of Osama bin Laden's sons, and you were just giving him Doritos. So uh, Violet's son Maddie tries to convince Sam to ask Violet out to a gala event being held that night to celebrate the recent success of the arcaders and good use of public money was that i say good use of public oh yeah money yeah absolutely time. absolutely uh sam let's not remain vigilant you know. sam eventually gives in and after she gives him some more of the shit that characterizes their delightful back and forth banter uh violet agrees to accompany him to this event now at the gala President Kevin James gets his groove on to hail to the chief, uh, doing a little physical comedy that uh, Kevin James is is so known for. And and you're right. Like when you brought up Chris Farley earlier, I didn't, I hadn't really seen, I, I didn't make that connection. I didn't draw that. And and here he does this sort of physical comedy dancing thing that is, it's it, it's like it's trying to be a physical comedian as Farley was, but trying to be cool. And and that's so not what Farley did. F- that's it, because we've also got to remember that Kevin James, the actor, is also just a great guy. That seems to be another big problem in a lot of these these types of films, is the actors don't... They want to have jokes at their expense, but they also want to retain as much personal actor dignity as possible. So yeah, Kevin James will fall over. He'll do a fall over gag. He'll do a I'm a fat man dancing gag, but he won't go to the extremes needed to make it like really nail the joke. He won't go as far as Farley went. So, uh, fucking no. I mean, David Spade hangs out with these fuckers all the time. He could have at least have just told them, right, look, here's what Chris did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Eddie is also at the gala with Serena Williams as his guest which she reveals to a Secret Service agent that she's doing an exchange for an island, which is funny because that was at the top of Eddie's list of demands to perform the far more dangerous task of fighting the aliens. And now she's going to get to have it for just going on a date with him. Oh my God. Tremendously funny. Um, Again, you know what could have worked if, if, if they'd have really hammered home how... And and you know what? Eddie is so unlikable that it takes an island to go on a date. And with Serena him. delivers and... the line perfectly fine for you know, someone who is a sports figure appearing in a film. She hits it just she yeah. lands it. She's fine again, one of the better performers in the film. <laughs> Which I you know I know I I I know I don't want to be like, oh, God, how sad is it that's because Serena Williams sucks? No, Serena Williams did her fucking job. Yeah, that's what it comes was, down to. She was there what she was. Paid I'm to not do. shaming Serena Williams for being a poor actress. I'm shaming everybody else in this for a person who has very limited acting experience and whose main career 
is in physical sport for being outclassed. Yes. God damn it. Um, Sh- uh, so, yeah, I, I won't hammer on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, the president, the first lady, and Sam are all talking about Violet um, in a context of Sam and Violet's burgeoning relationship. And in a very original move for comedy, uh, the first lady inquires as to whether or not Violet is pretty in order to demonstrate her insecurity in relationship to her <laughs> husband. Do you remember that great thing you do when you're married, Conrad, where your wife asks if someone else is attractive and you've got to like, find a way to not answer the question properly because you're worried you'll offend your wife? <laughs> that is so funny. You know what would make it funnier? I, I, I feel like it would be funnier if you, in the process of trying to stumble around and exp- and you need to be kind of like a buffoon character to do this, to make this work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you were to then try to play down the attractiveness of this person in your eyes when speaking to your wife. Yeah, um, and yeah. then totally bungle it by calling her a 10, which is, of course, exactly what President Kevin James does. So funny. So oh, yeah. funny. He says, you're the first lady, but she's and, a 10, which is it's a joke. It's not only, not only is it... Look, okay, this is where I... We've had a lot of fun here today talking about jokes. Oh, we've all had a and, great and, yeah. and, and their construction and, and their meaning and things like that. But this joke right here is, or this attempt at a joke, bothers me so fucking much. I have to give it some special attention. Because what we have happen is these power. I, I, I'm going to get SJW here. But we have these men in powerful positions. This woman who is is putting herself uh, in a position as lesser by expressing her insecurity over another woman. And then we are given, shown the woman who is apparently looking the best she's ever looked to these men, right? And the way we see her is in a dress, very natural application of makeup, no, uh, none of the power and authority that she exudes as a... And an officer for our military, they strip. It, it's mm-hmm. when they strip her of all of the power and agency that this character should have, and repeatedly sets aside in favor of the uh, undignified uh, banter that is supposed to make it seem like she's becoming endeared to the Adam Sandler love interest character. It's only once all of that is ripped from her that they truly see her as beautiful. Yes. Um, the only other time they really hint at a more, a more gradual development, I should point out, is that um, earlier in the film, Brian Cox is rude to her, and that makes Adam Sandler like her a bit more. Because he's like, oh, oh this, this weapon's untested, and then he goes up and says, oh, your lady's gonna work. Yeah, well, it's, it's when, when, he can, when he can lift her up, when he can defend her from... Yes, exactly. And again, when, when someone who's written to be less likable than Adam Sandler shows up, because we can't make Adam Sandler likable. This is... This is the, the, the point at, the, at which the movie breaks me. Yeah. Quite literally. There's a lot of... You held out longer than me because it's, it's, it's the physics-destroying Mini Cooper that I can't... That, that's when I get destroyed. But uh, Because it's just so... It's, it's so lazy. 
It's yeah, oh, absolutely. It's 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 the equivalent of you know the old '90s movie trope of the geeky girl takes her glasses off and suddenly she's beautiful. But it's worse. But but on a a far worse scale. A far more insidious level. It's when we take the this professional's uniform and job and career away from her and stick her in a nice dress. And she's still as, as pretty as she looked when she was in Dark. I actually mode. don't agree. I think she's, she's a- less attractive. I, I but that's and, and you know, and that's that's gonna come yeah. down to my personal, you know, preferences oh, and sure, things sure. like that. I mean it's I'm not- just saying like Mich- Michelle Monaghan is is um, you know, very beautiful Absolutely. and such a talent. And it's they didn't do much to change her. And because it's what well, and it's between they just stuck her in a fucking dress and took her but job. They, 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 like, they uh, made her they made her weak and lesser. They they do. It's it's they by because she now is she they soften her. Uh, they she, she yeah. And I'm gonna say this right just because I know we're gonna get some comments at sure. this point. I know many you know well not many I know. Several uh, listeners love to defend any form of um, uh, mistreatment of women characters in films and games and things. You seem to reflexively do it. Um, You could punch a woman in the face in a game and have some people defend it as, oh, you're being too much of an SJW. As I've witnessed myself when I've seen people stick up for six nights at Susie's. And and in fairness, in fairness... We are taking the piss most of the time when we yeah, do ob- this. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, you know, and some of you are still so instinctively needing to defend some sort of, of, of sexist content that you will um, attack us for it, even when we're clearly making fun and just taking the piss out of not just the film, but ourselves and our own sort of, you know, socially justicey leanings. But... Stop the comment you're clearly typing right now and don't defend pixels on this. Don't lower yourself to the point where you you so need to refute the leftists that you're going to fucking defend pixels. Because A, Conrad's making a fucking legit point. And B, don't give Happy Madison, or, or as I like to call it, Crappy Sadison, the benefit of anything. Yeah, it's this 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 whole bit is bunk and bullshit and shit and fuck. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, We're still gonna get. Oh yeah, yeah. And and you know what? What's really sad about this is that what immediately follows with uh, Josh Gad singing um, "Tears for Fears," everybody wants to rule the world. I I want to hear a full version of that. Like it's not a a as straight a take. Um, but it was a great choice of song for that character. Um, it's the, and, and he can sing and I would really, I, I wish they had had him, you know, I wish they had shot the whole thing as one sequence of him singing it. And maybe they did. And, 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 and they would release that somewhere like on iTunes. I would pay 99 cents to hear that song in its entirety is sung by Josh Gad. Um, I liked that, and and I and it's be, and it's probably because the bar is so low for for things to to like. Like I'm so desperate to find things to like about this, and and, yeah. and it also you know I I love a good cover, I like a lot of bad covers. Uh, so it's I was and I was particularly weak 
at this ruin. Like, I'm so... <laughs> I'm worn down. The jokes are getting you when you're vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was... That's how Adam Sandler likes to do it. Yeah. Yep. When I'm curled up and, and bent over, Adam Sandler just creeps up behind and, and sticks a joke in my ass. But anyway, as Ludlow's singing this, Sam and Violet step outside so that Sam can lay some everyman charm down on her. And Violet responds by drinking all of the beer that they were intended to share, which is funny, haha. Um, you know, subverting the the f- wilting flower image that they foisted upon here mere seconds ago. Then clearly drunk from the one beer she chugged, uh, this high-ranking officer of the military, whose job it is to oversee a lab producing cutting-edge technology, suggests that this home theater installer in a monkey suit, whose incredibly specialized skill at 30-year-old games happens to be in a, that happens to be in immediate but quickly diminishing demand, should now leapfrog this opportunity into becoming an inventor. And that, my friends, is fucking hilarious. It also doesn't matter because losing to Eddie in 1982 has completely shattered Sam's confidence. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and, and somewhere in all of that, it cuts to Eddie propositioning Serena Williams, who shuts him down, and he wishes he'd gone with Mar- Martha, Th- Martha Stewart instead, which is so funny. You know why? You know why that'd be funny? You, you know oh, what makes that tell. funny? Because he implies that she would have made him a sandwich. <laughs> Now the part, like, I don't even know, I don't even know how to respond to that. You need to take a moment. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, it's like it does the thing very, very, you know, not, not long ago where it strips a woman of her agency and then it chooses perhaps the most well-known dismiss women expression in the popular culture. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. It's at this it's at this point you get the sneaking suspicion that Adam Sandler genuinely finds the phrase slut seeking myself. Oh, funny. Or, or Tim Hurley or both. But on some level, the two people, you know, we keep attributing the writing of this to Sandler and That's true. And, and, That's and, true. and it's, it's, I think a lot of it has to do with Tim and and probably the other there's some other co writer of the script. Uh, that, but, but but how how did two people write the script, let alone one human? But person? Adam Sandler still let these things be in a movie that he made. Yeah. So there's tacit a- agreement to this here. And I mean, it, when I say Adam, half the time when I say Adam, Sandler, you mean everyone associated I, with his little brood. I just think like like Happy Madison as this horrible hive mind of old. It's a homunculus. Over yeah. Jokes. yeah. It is just this horrific gestal of Kevin James falling over and David Spade being given a bit of work, and 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 for some reason Rob Schneider pops up for three seconds. He's not in this. I, I don't know this. why Rob. Spade, I don't know what actually. happened. I don't know how Rob Schneider missed his shot to be in this. I think this is maybe this was their their. They wanted this one to be proper blockbuster material, and it's like we're saving. It's either that, either that, or the it was the line that Rob Schneider out. wouldn't cross. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Rob Schneider like takes one look at the script and says, "It's gonna be a juice bigger no from me." <laughs> hey Adam, 
Yeah, that's what a joke sounds like. <sighs> so the um, the party goers at the gala are treated to a video sent by school children reciting a rhyme that is interrupted just before the children would have said motherfuckers. Because the only thing funnier than making two dozen kids say swear words is to imply that they were about to in a PG-rated movie. Yeah, and and it's it's only ever funny when you're about to drop a swear word, but you cut in a, a random clip from the Skeleton Warriors intro theme. Tune, right, but the instead they went with a uh, a bit of hollow notes. Uh, Yes. And, and, and claim that Earth has uh, violated the uh, rules of the battle, which they wouldn't, I mean, they never really laid those out all that clearly. They never laid, they never laid ground. Yeah, I mean, they just, I mean, um, apart from whoever gets beaten three times first loses, and the winner gets yeah, to take the planet. It's, it's war. Yeah. You know, there are conventions of war, but it's interplanetary war, so I don't think, you know... Those conventions... I don't think the UN's going to get too involved. Probably not. You know, but I'm just saying, at no point did these cultures really well, have a discussion of what the terms no, of the conflict would be. They just imposed it on yeah. them. And, and let's not forget, again, the centipedes were breaking their pattern the whole time. Right. They, they cheated already first. cheated, but here... JFK shot first! But here, Hall and Oates are, are claiming that the Earth's violated the rules of battle and forfeited and the planet's going to be destroyed. The people at the party just, like, freak out. Um, but although, you know, somewhat calm in this process is Eddie, who finishes his drink and starts leaving somewhat suspiciously. And on his way out uh, through a balcony, he uh, comes. He stopped by Maddie, who has Eddie's sunglasses and has noticed that the super speed code cheat, uh, super speed cheat code for Pac-Man which Maddie knows about because he's now a video game. He's an, now an expert on video games of the past. You know, older. Yeah, he played. He played Naughty Dogs: The Last of Us for half an hour, and now knows everything about Pac-Man. Uh, he recognizes the code and uh, comes to the, I don't know, conclusion that uh, you know Eddie had cheated, which Eddie admits to. Yeah. Um, and can we talk about? What that cheat code looks like on those. It cards. looks like a very complex uh, algorithm or mathematical like a, formula. Like a yeah, like some sort of 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 like scientific equation, which <laughs> if Eddie was supposed to be breaking the laws of physics, might make some sense. It might also it, it might also make sense if you know as opposed to. Uh, Sam's latent talent at recognizing patterns. Eddie was in, in, in reality a mathematical genius, but couldn't retain yes. the memory of the formula for the algorithm and was using that to reference patterns in games. That would also make sense. Yeah. A cheat. Which would also, if, if when Eddie has his inevitable, you know, change of heart, they could then work together oh, and pull their resources and use his math genius and uh, Adam Sandler's pattern recognition to work together. Whoa, whoa. whoa. None of this happens. Whoa. Hold up. Yeah, this is us improving things again. Instead, we have what's supposed to be a cheat code for an arcade cabinet written like something fucking Einstein would put down on a chalkboard for no reason. Pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, Eddie... This podcast's gonna be longer than the Warcraft one. Are you kidding? This is gonna be longer than the Nuremberg trials at this rate. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> and detailing a greater atrocity. <laughs> oh. So uh, Eddie admits to having cheated in the fight with the aliens somehow, as well as having cheated in the 1982 World Video Arcade Championships, and leaves the White House. Uh, Admiral Porter tries to place the blame on Violet, on Violet and the arcaders, and Sam's all confused. Oh, he does come hmm? back. Yeah, it's not his last. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he he came back. Uh, And Sam's confused to what could have gone wrong. And and as they're arguing, the the aliens abduct Maddie. I guess taking him as a trophy, or you know, conveniently to provide some emotional drive for Violet to. Yeah, this this kid that I don't give a fucking cock's fart about. So back at Violet's place, she suddenly realizes after Cubert mentions that his home world isn't any fun after he finally volunteers some fucking information about them totally unprompted nobody asked suddenly she realizes that cubert might have some information that could help them in their dire predicament right yeah now this is funny because i do want to explain why this is funny uh because you see she works for the goddamn fucking military and why wasn't this Goddamn creature immediately thrown into a hole in Guantanamo fucking bay for interrogation. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's what would fucking happen. Cubert would have been waterboarded to shit. They'd have built a special apparatus where there's a board and a no and a hole for his snout, and they would just pour water over the board. I can visualize it so clearly now. And you know what? It would be a fucking funny gag. It would have at least had some sort of pretension of satire or something. It would have been some. It would have been content. Instead, suddenly she remembers to ask him for information, and you know the best bit. What's the best bit? Cubit doesn't really give any. Not really. I mean, he kind of. It doesn't really give them anything they they use to overcome. He, what he does do, he provides rationalization. For the, yeah. the conflict. That's what he does. It's like, oh, it's not fun on my planet. It's only war. And they saw the video well, but games. It, but it didn't and... used to be that way until the video games were yeah. seen. And, and... Laughter's not allowed on my planet for some Well, they, they were all happy but... until they you know thought there might be a hostile force outside of its borders that might want to destroy it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um... Hmm. <sighs> and that's... That's all they get from him, not how to yeah. destroy, not 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 I mean, how to get aboard the mothership. Well, they did sh- sh- because that's taken care of later. It's just a way to get them on without having to do any. Well, writing. I mean, he, yeah, it's it's expressed that you know they, they Violet comes up with the idea to go to the mothership, seemingly on her own, and yeah. and later Cubert says that you know the only way is to get directly underneath it, which okay, fine. That I guess is eventually helpful. Well, not really, because after, well, because of what well, because what happens, later, what happens, what, what's, it's going to upset how, how my my world is about to yeah be shattered. No, um, yeah, yeah. So, but but he does explain that this was really just like a big galactic misunderstanding that the message from Earth was interpreted as a threat and completely changed their culture into this warlike thing. Yeah. We already kind of knew that from the scene with Josh Gadda. Right. Well, or at least that that's why they were there. They could have been warlike to begin with. But no, this sets up that the aliens are actually okay. They're not, you know. Yeah, I guess 
I guess they do this scene so that when Kevin James later says he's negotiated peace with it the seems aliens, rational. and we never see the negotiation or how the peace was or brought can't imagine or how anything. it could have been accomplished in the small span of yeah. time that yeah. So they use this line here just so that later they can hand wave away the aliens not being a threat right. anymore. We're getting really inside the mind of how these films are made. It's it's this is educational. Yeah, I think I mean I do still feel like we're doing a public service, uh, which is oh, is really the only way I can justify the masochistic um, endeavor that I'm engaging in here. Uh, so, anyway, the uh, <coughs> they decide to go off to the mothership and. Uh, you know, Violet's suggestion that's, that that's all that ne- all that's necessary to do is to get in there. And I mean, I guess that is a plan, but it's not like one with a clear objective that would result in the survival of Earth. But they're going to go with it. And they move through Washington, D.C. toward the mothership while the alien attack commences around them. They're nearly crushed by Frogger, who is caught by a crane being controlled by President Kevin James, wearing the Chewbacca mask he won as a child. And I forgot, I forgot, I said I was going to point out where they reinforced this Chewbacca thing. And then I forgot to do it. Uh, in the scene where L- uh, Ludlow is brought to the White House to show the Guam video in the Oval Office, uh, and you pointed out that they had met each other at some point after the championships because uh, there's a reference yeah. to uh, Ludlow having set up, having decoded Cinemax at. Um, That's it. Yeah, he decoded his Cinemax, which you think Adam Sandler could have done given his actual. Job. Well, yeah, 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 but um, but. So yeah. it, the reason why that's brought up is because he doesn't want Ludlow to call him Mr. President, but by his nickname, Chewy. Oh, that's why he was calling him that weird yes. name. It, it didn't even, re- like, I, I remember all of yeah. this. But none of it But none my of it brain connected. just wouldn't let it in. Right? No. It's like every bit of humor in this film. You can, you, you can yeah. look at it, you can see... I can tell that the intent was to construct, it was to, you know, a, a thing that ended with this result. Yeah. But it's... N- but it just wasn't yeah. enough. Like, it wasn't enough that suddenly he's really good with real grains. And that, you know... Does he have training in construction equipment? Because to get dude, my full he could have been a, like, license, it took like a, a, at least a week Where's his fucking exposition that he became a labor leader after uh, getting a, you know, working in construction and that put him into politics? That complete, like, oh my God, I just figured out how to whoa, justify whoa, the presidency of Kevin now. James in this movie. This all sounds a bit too much like work. <sighs> You're right, Adam. I. You're right. I think. It's better that he won a crane game at the beginning of the film, and then the crane, he used to grab the frogman at the end. You're right. That's, I'm Adam Sandler. That's enough justification, Adam. You're, you're right. What was yeah. I thinking? So says me. Silence of the Lamb Star, Hannibal Lecter, Adam Sandler. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Okay, thanks. He's off to get he's off to get an orange oh, juice. Oh, great. Um, right, let me tell you my problem with this mm-hmm. scene though. And we touched on it on um, the live stream, but I was too out of sorts to really properly make the point. I brought up during the live stream uh, when we watched this cabin in the woods. Oh yeah. When after a, a terrific amount of build and promise, the film delivers in this beautiful shot 
of these elevators full of monsters coming up to the secret base. Yes. And then it's this moment of pure quiet. And then suddenly the doors open and chaos. Dragons and werewolves and zombies. Every, and, and every horror that you can imagine or yeah. have a frame of reference for comes leaping out. Just tearing yeah. shit apart. And that's awesome. It's general chaos. But to really, really make that attack fun and memorable, they then cut to individual vignettes mm -hmm. of specific monsters doing specific things. They show, um, you know, I think like uh, uh, dolls that are uh, kind of like doll mask wearing guys from that that film about the the people that it, the the home invasion movie. The that purge. I forget the name of right now. This, the, no, not the purge. The strangers or something. I think it's mm. called. Um, they they show that they show uh, uh, an individual shot of a killer clown stabbing someone up. They show uh, a ballerina girl with a big hole where her face should be um, as its own little individual thing. They cut as well as the general chaos and some exposition running through it. They keep cutting to these really awesome, memorable little moments of individual monsters doing specific monsters. Yes, things. and all of that is That's so why it's possible. So good with these video game characters. Yes. And what what's And they only do it once in this whole scene with the Tetris mm -hmm. blocks. Which they have Tetris blocks coming down, um snapping onto buildings and then destroying chunks of buildings. Yep. Which I remember you at the time when we watched it together said that was really clever. Mm -hmm. And then I pointed out that that was stolen let's say stolen, lifted wholesale from the original short yeah. movie. So the best visual gag in the film is not an original gag to Pixels. Um, and instead, and, and, and outside of that one bit, it's just general, like, Star Wars prequel levels of just shit going yep. on. We see Frogger chasing them for a bit, which is just a setup for the Kevin James thing. But we don't see Frogger, like, doing specific Frogger shit. Like, avoiding cars on um, the road. Yeah, we don't see that. We don't see, you know, space invaders, like, coming down in a formation, shooting down and destroying things. We see Paperboy uh, at several points in, in the general melee, mm -hmm. but we don't have a scene of him riding down a street, throwing papers at houses and exploding every house right? he hits with a paper. Why don't we have that scene? Why is Paperboy shown in this movie and he doesn't throw newspapers like they're explosives where is that scene this is like, yes it's 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 why don't we have you know we've got nintendo properties why don't we have the guy from kung fu like like f like punching soldiers and shit it has every bit the potential that cabin in the woods had to do you know this yes. kind of stuff and and it it could have been, and, and in, in Cabin of the Woods, a lot of those little bits, they're funny, right? Because that's, you know, oh, hard yeah, yeah. breaking tension. But, you know, you could do it in a comedy and really go full bore into the comedy. But this is an Adam Sandler comedy. Uh, you know. They waste all the potential on just a vomit of CGI. Yeah. Just a vomit of it. It's just, oh, look, look, you can see the dude from Joust in the background a mm -hmm. bit. It's like, but the dude from Joust doesn't get his moment where, like, maybe there's, like, like fighter planes coming in. And he's there with his lance and his bird. And he's just, like, charging into the planes and exploding them and shit. 
This is all stuff I'm coming up like coming up with off the cuff, yeah. by the way. Yeah. This is stuff that takes a second to think about. And would have taken no much more effort than it would have done to have just continued um, rendering the CGI they were already rendering for those big action scenes. Take a few of those out, do some individual vignettes. It would have been no more manpower or effort. No. But it would have taken creativity. Yep. And that's that's why instead we just have video game characters attacking in the most generic way except the Tetris blocks. Which are not Tetraminos, by the way, not a warlike species. Don't know why they took them as, as a threat. <sighs> I added that. Also, I'm to pretty sure kick. isn't Tetris later than nineteen eighty two? Probably. Oh. Most of the games in I'm, this bit. I, I, I'm gonna double check. I didn't I didn't check, but but now that I have now that I'm thinking about it, I have to know. Yeah, eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna matter again in a moment. <clears throat> that fucking year. Right, so uh, Sam and, and Ludlow and, and Violet are, you know, rescued by President Kevin James in the crane. And, uh, he joins them saying that, you know, the Secret Service was trying to whisk him off to an undisclosed location, but, you know, because he's a man of the people character, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah he yeah, he yeah, joins yeah. the group and supplies them with light cannons. Uh. Which he got for yeah, some for reason. for some reason he has those. And Sam, uh, directs Ludlow to deal with the aliens in the city while the rest of the team is going to go to the mothership. Which suits Ludlow fine because despite all of his, you know, conspiracy theory stuff, he's terrified at the prospect of being on an alien vessel. Just strange. Because yep. you would think, I mean, I, I would think if a, you know, I were a conspiracy theory guy thinking about aliens for all of this time and the opportunity came to actually see one, I'd jump at that. The f- yeah, what the fuck do I know? We need him. We need him for oh, a different the, Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's friend. right. He has... Um, so we'll disregard established character traits so that he can have his other... Okay, all right. So that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. I should also point out, by the way, that most of what happens in the last... I guess we're in, like, the last 15 minutes yeah. of the film is most of what we know about the film from trailers. Yes. All the other stuff before then is, is barely... Ref- like, it's, it's fluff. Except for, like, the Pac-Man mm-hmm. bit. But here, most of what I knew about this film, you know, Lady Lisa and Donkey Kong and all this shit, and the big attack, was all in the trailer. Yeah. Like, the trailer's all you need to to get to know what this film is. So they, uh, they're gearing up, I, I know. Film. They're gearing up, and Violet shoots a Smurf, which is funny because the Smurfs are, again, somewhat culturally relevant, and children might understand why it would be bad to shoot a Smurf. I have a fact for this that isn't actually part of Amazon X-Ray's thing. Oh, do do tell. Yeah. Again, if you you watched us watching it on the live stream, um, which you can still watch the the VOD on on, on my YouTube channel, by the way. Um, Just a fun little fact. In the trailer, which, of course, had to show this great goof... um, it's Kevin James that shoots the Smurf. Mm, mm-hmm. And initially in the trailer says, don't tell anyone I killed a Smurf, which is what Michelle Monaghan says in the film after she kills the Smurf. And then later on, the like, later cuts of the trailer had him say, don't tell anyone I pixelated a Smurf. Hmm. Uh, again, possibly maybe to let parents bring their kids to no, see the want, film. You don't want kids thinking that we're killing Smurfs. Yeah. So it's... It, they. 
they recut the line with Kevin James. Well, I mean, then that could be the difference between the a final... theatrical trailer versus, you know. Yeah, it could be. Could be a more general trailer. Uh, but then in the final film, it's not Kevin <gasps> James at all that, that, that does it. It's, it's Michelle Monaghan, and, and they've reinstated the killed uh, part of and the I line. And I can't understand why that decision is made. <clears throat> yeah, I can't understand that. I also can't understand, you know, I've got one last fact coming up, that, and I also don't understand why it's a changed thing. Yeah. I don't understand anything about this film, so it doesn't really right, matter. Right. Fair enough. Uh, so Ludlow is saving a group of children trapped in a school bus by pixelated ninjas when Lady Lisa, his long-held romantic interest, appears from behind the bus. Um, now, I guess we should just, like, immediately address what she looks like, you know, as opposed to all of the other video game characters in yes. this, you know, that are sprite-based and, you know, blocky and very clearly um, designed around sprites. She is a actual woman who just, they put a pixely filter over and then blur her immediately after that into real woman for reasons. Yes, she's portrayed by a live-action actress, um... Yeah, she walks from behind a bus looking slightly pixel. Uh, the, the actress is um, Ashley Benson, is her name. Ashley Benson, Ashley Benson. Um, not, not voxelated at all. Not a video game character. She's just a person. Um, because I guess the movie had just enough self-awareness to realize that it would look a bit weird for the general audience that if she was still a pixel character. Yeah. Or, sorry, a voxel character. Yeah. Like, there's no way we could have related unless it was, you know, human and a human. Um, and, 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 and and there's no further explanation given in the film for it. It's... <sighs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things when you, you reach a certain point and your brain shuts off. And I want to be mad about this, or I want to think it's stupid, and it is. But in light of, like, the, ma it's, it's like, this is... This is like Donald Trump. In the mass of all of the other things that you can say are wrong with this, now this thing just seems like another thing. Yeah. It's just sort of bleeded into the circus of Yeah, you know, it would take something it would take something really like dramatically awful at this point in the film to provoke a real reaction from me uh, of any kind. Uh, so apathetic. Uh... I think, honestly, at this point, I think at this point, because because I'm, I'm I was the same way. By this point, I was just glazed over. I think I'd have needed to have seen. Um, let's go with Peter Dinklage because I think that would have been worse because he's the the only actor Dignity? with yeah. dignity as well. <laughs> I would have had to have seen Peter Dinklage full on buck naked hardcore fucking a dog. At this point in the film, for me to say that's fucked up. Well, I I'm a little easier mark apparently, um, but uh, so oh well well I don't have the <laughs> yeah exactly the historical connection to this bit right so um, he Ludlow refuses to fight Lady Lisa and she eventually brings him to his knees and I I'm like this this particular scene is broken up in a couple of 
chunks, but for the purpose of description, it's just easier to explain what happens between them. Uh, he refuses to fight, and she eventually brings him to his knees, but his willingness to die now that he's met her makes her decide not to kill him, and they kiss instead, because that makes sense. Uh, I think it, I think yeah, it's she, funny. I, you know, I, I don't know it's funny anymore, if I'm being honest, and I, I don't really know if anything's ever going to be funny again. Um, but None of... none. There's no in-universe reason for this scene it's just to give that one character a happy ending later yeah it's just more it's just more because everyone has to have a happy fucking ending in this movie apparently well it's a it's a happy madison production it's the clues in the why can't we have a character that has a little bit of pathos just a smidge because again that 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 requires some innate comedic talent you're right you're right um, so Sam and this, this, all right, this just, this part just hurts. Sam and Violet and, and President Kevin James and Kubert reach the mothership and, and they're contacted by Max Headroom, which I, you may not know this about me, but, um, you soon, you soon Max Headroom is my favorite thing out of the 1980s. Like you could take all yeah. of the stuff that the 1980s produced, including me. And I, Max Headroom is the thing that I you could burn it all and keep Max yeah. Headroom. Now, now, if I can give, um, you know, Jimquisition fans some context, you've seen the way I talk about Boglins. Um, many of you know how I feel about the Alien series of films. Um, God, this wheezing is driving me up the wall. Um, you know, you know what I'm like with the character Mysterio from Spider-Man and all this stuff. Stuff that's very meaningful to me. Stuff that I really enjoy. That's this yeah. is this is Conrad's um, Aliens. I'll go. With, Aliens is the sure. most meaningful thing to me, and, and the longest running thing I'm known for liking. Yeah, this is Conrad Xenomorph right here. I actually have performing for like a circus monkey in a ship. I, I I am I am not. A uh, generally one of those people who uh, wears their heart on their sleeve, so to speak. No. Um, but I actually, and, and I'm not, I, I I'm not big on promoting other people's properties. As you know, like I, I don't have a whole bunch of gaming tattoos and shit like that that a lot of people like to do. But I do. I have a tattoo on my arm of the company logo of one of the antagonistic conglomerate companies in Max Headroom as an, like, as a thing that exists on my body. That's how connected I am to this thing. And so he appears in this, and and he's entirely digitally rendered. Which, first off... Oh, yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, you know what really stings about it? And and I say stings because and I'm not even like a big I only ter- know of Max Headroom in a tertiary sure. sense uh, through through uh, uh, cultural osmosis more than anything. As a kid, I was aware he was a thing, and you introduced me to you know the show mm-hmm. show. But they get the original actor, they get him. Um, and he does it really Yeah, the well. voice is... I mean, he still can perform he, the he, role. Yeah, like, he, as an alien version of Max Headroom, he manages to be, like... 
in enthralling and entertaining and, and genuinely kind of menacing. Mm-hmm. And the bit they do where he laughs is like authentic. Yeah. And that makes it worse. Yes, it's so much worse. Like, I wish he'd have just been shit. Yeah, at least because, because the, the, the one part of it that is rooted in the original thing, because the, the, the design for Max Headroom uh, you know, the film, the show is, is the character is supposed to be digital, but technology when it was created in 1984, which by the way means that he shouldn't be in this, uh, except for the fact that he's recognizable for a uh, recognizable property from the eighties and therefore belongs here for reasons. Yeah. Uh, Not for the children that this movie is for, no! by the way. No, the children wouldn't know who Max Headroom or or, or 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 any or Fantasy Island yeah. or yeah. I mean, some of the, some of these some of these obscure references or obscure references that you could really you'd really only know probably if you were alive when they happened. You, yeah, you could have done without them because that, that's not the audience you have watching it. You know, you, you, everything else is geared towards children. Or what, what, like, it's, it's going to be a family thing, so you can disrespect... All, of, all the content is stuff adults would recognize in a film it's stuff, written for it, kids. It's stuff, it's stuff that the Happy Madison crew recognize. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, but so they did, you know, but the, but yeah. the way so they Max originally Hedrum, do Max, did Max Hedrum was the actor Matt Frewer would, uh, they had a sort of a plastic suit, uh, that they would put over his shoulders cause he was shot from the chest up and then they had, uh, some prosthetics and makeup that they would apply to make him look like he had sharper edges, uh, that he was made out of polygons. It's a great, great. Yeah. Effect. It looks really, really good. And the, the thing that blows my mind is that I know our CGI technology could have very capably recreated that today. It, those angles could be done. It, you, you, could, oh, you yeah. could render a Max Headroom that looks very much the way Max Headroom did, and they didn't do that somehow. And I just don't get it. The... All he's, he's soft edges. There's a little bit of like bloom around him. The the, the background Amiga animation stuff. Uh, that is kind of cleverly presented as voxel cubes, sort of sort to sort of tie in the way they're doing it. But everything else is so ugly that it just doesn't fucking work. Uh, it I. Like it's just it, when it came up on the screen, it was the moment that I was like, I you know I I didn't think. It could get any worse, and now it's personal. Like now, it's just I could have forgotten that they did all of these things. This was the this was the equivalent for Conrad of seeing Peter Dinklage. Fighting yeah, pretty him. much, pretty much. Yeah. So the uh, communicating through Max Headroom, the aliens have decided for whatever reason. Also, sorry, but this was also the first appearance um, from Max Headroom since two thousand seven. Uh was that when they were doing the ads in the UK for the switchover? To, um, I didn't see the, um, I didn't notice the X-ray thing quick enough, and I wasn't gonna. Oh, because that 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 may be that that may be what they're <laughs> referring to. The last thing I remember, um, Matt Frewer doing for the role, uh, or the last time the character appeared, they in the UK were doing a ad campaign to promote the switch to high definition uh, transmissions. 
uh, and letting people know that they were going to be dropping the old analog signal. And so they did a series of ads with a geriatric Max Headroom who was, uh, you know, doing the, oh, back in my day, TV was like this, and we didn't have all of this whiz-bang, high-definition, blah, blah, blah. And they were very clever and well-written, and, uh, and and they featured him in a, a, as a, inside a TV that's on a wheelchair being pushed around by a, an, a yeah, a nurse. It, it, those, it, there's still love and respect but for Max I Headroom just... elsewhere in the world, just don't look for it in Pixels. Yeah, I mean it's just, it's just extra salt in the wound. I feel that you know this was through as while I'm while I'm on it because I'll never like, get another opportunity, another another yeah uh, nostalgia laden thing that totally fucking bung- bungles a Max Headroom reference is uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Um, in that they in in that they do a brilliant reference to the Max Headroom TV show. Uh, when the main character is on the run and he gives uh, an assumed name, he gives an alias. Uh, to hide his identity in the alias he gives is Bryce Lynch, which is the name of the scientist nerdy kid character who's ultimately responsible for the creation of Max Headroom. And it's so subtle, as opposed to so many of the other references that are cast throughout that very, very nostalgia-heavy book, um, that I was like, oh my god, it was a little something just for me, and I appreciated it, and I loved it, and, and it wasn't blown out of proportion like so much other stuff. And I was like, this man has love and respect for some, for at least some aspects of this source material, and I respect that. And then, like, five, page, five pages later, um, he's made Max Hedrum his digital assistant that helps him with things. It uh, totally, totally just ruins the lovely, subtle, beautiful thing that they'd put in there. So, way to go, Ernest Klein. That, that was the point at which his book fell apart for me, too. <laughs> all you have to do is screw something up for me is mistreat Max Hedrum, is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, they, I've, they, I've they dwelled they on it long it. enough. Uh, the aliens decided, for whatever reason, to give Sam and his gang a last chance to stop them by defeating their boss, uh, which they refer to it as a boss. Okay. Uh, they're transported yeah. to the ship to find a full-scale representation of the main Donkey Kong stage. Uh, the game that cost Sam in the 1982 World Video Arcade Championship. Uh, they attempt to climb up, but Sam loses confidence, probably not helped by the fact that his best friend points out that this is the game he quote-unquote sucks at, despite being the second greatest in the world. Yeah, yeah, or the one game you suck at. Dick. Um, yeah. But then Maddie explains that uh, Eddie cheated in the championship, causing Sam to realize that he's the Donkey Kong World Champion. And, uh, yeah, all he, all he needed to believe in himself was to be told that he was literally the greatest in the world. Yes. It's not, not, not a big ask for Adam Sanders. No, no, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, and so he, it gives him the inspiration he needs to pick up a hammer and in violation to the, of the rules of the game, which, you know, apparently no one seems to care about at any point unless it's necessary to threaten the earth. Yeah. Uh, he throws the hammer at Donkey Kong to defeat him. Somehow this is okay. Yeah. Oh, by the way, hmm? hello. Oh, oh, what? What is it, Adam? It's it's me, Adam Shandwa, the star of um, End of Days. I got one last fact for you. Oh, please. Hope you please like share. it. Please share. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Adam. 
Um, again, this was an editorialised one. This is just this isn't how Amazon wrote it. This is how I wrote it. In the trailer for Pixels, Kevin James does an hilarious goof where he says, it's a barrel, how bad can it possibly hurt before he's hit by one hilariously? This scene is not in the film, possibly because the barrel didn't hit James's fucking dick funnily, or barrels aren't a minority or something. None of them get hit, except um, for Kubert. Yeah, yeah, none of them get hit by the barrels. Kubert gets flattened, Kubert also pisses itself, and it's voxel piss. Oh, funny. so funny. But... But like you say, generally he believes in himself, throws a hammer at Donkey Kong, and it's over. Um, Adam, are you going to stick around? No! Thank okay, see Christ. you, bye. And then the... Uh, well, I guess... That's pretty much it. Uh, there's, there's more The film. alien creatures I mean, on Earth begin exploding like fireworks, and everyone's happy, except for Ludlow, who has to watch as Lady Lisa's also disintegrated. And then back on Earth, yeah. Sam runs into Eddie, who apologizes for having cheated, and at the insistence of, insistence of President Kevin James, acknowledges that Sam's the greatest in the world at Donkey Kong. Um, Ludlow is grieving over Lady Lisa and cruelly asks why Cubert why gets to stay when he didn't. It's like, We're real, yeah, real dick. dick. Like, just looks at him detestably <laughs> and resentfully. Why does he get to stop? And then, and, and Violet assumes that they simply get to keep the trophies, which makes kind of little sense considering the aliens returned all the humans they'd taken. And then, Cubert transforms into Lady Lisa so that Ludlow gets to have the happy ending, um, sparing us any sort of potentially, potentially more rewarding emotional arc yeah. resulting from having loved and lost. But, but furthermore... He literally gets a trophy girlfriend. Yes, and, and and I'd like to point out for everybody listening that, you know, who sees this and thinks that this is how love should be, no, never change yourself to be what someone else expects from... Especially if you're a small orange alien. Right. That, that just assumes the form, but he's still emotionally and mentally a small childlike orange alien. May not even be orange. I mean, he's really just projecting the orange alien thing, too. But he's a child. Oh, my God. It's a yes. childlike intelligence. See, now, this is why we... Sh yeah, because Adam Sandler at one point is like, um, you know, to hammer home the joke Scott Adams style. It's like, am I the only one who thinks this is weird? That was cute, but... Um, but Adam Sandler, um, you know... that. Great that you hilariously point right. that out, and and that okay, yeah, it is weird, but it is way weirder than you're presenting it because it's got this innocent childlike cheese ball eating mind. It's an alien that doesn't look like Hubert or Lady Lisa, oh. which doesn't really explain the the Cubert babies at the end. Yeah, yeah. Cubert um, um, transforms into Lady Lisa, gets happy ending, uh, President Kevin James announces the treaty with the aliens, Sam and Violet are on their way to a relationship I hope makes them both fucking miserable. Uh, Eddie gets a, direct, a message directing him to the Lincoln, be Lincoln bedroom where he sees Serena Williams and Martha Stewart are waiting for him in the window. The only funny joke in the film and it's right it's, at the yes, end. Yes, that's... I do genuinely think that joke, Serena Williams being there, you know, Oh, ha, ha, Eddie gets a, a, a fun, happy ending. And then Martha Stewart there, actually with a sandwich on a Coming plate. out, yeah, and, and, and sort of just moving into the frame of the window. Yes, moving into the frame is well shot, well executed as yep. a goof. That is... And, and that's the one time it does it, and that's almost 
literally before oh, the Oh, oh and one year later, there's a whole bunch of Cuberts bouncing around in a crib yelling, Daddy. Um, and as you try to conform your brain to the horrible realization that you can't, like, ever unsee this. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Uh, the credits start rolling, and they feature an, an animated then, sequence that covers all of the important bits of the film. I wouldn't even say all the important bits. I, I would say the entire film. Yeah. There is... It is like an 8-bit-looking sequence, animated cartoon, retelling from beginning to end pixels over the course Every of the Every single plot and beat again, seems if, represented. Uh, yeah. Again, if you saw the live stream, our reaction to that, like the sheer sense of, of, of incredulity and anger we felt, I still yeah. feel, because it's like the film saying, we just wasted... 90 minutes like, of your life. More... Yeah more than 90 minutes of your life with a story that can be told without words over the span of a and credit sequence. And for some people, we're sequence. gonna ruin three to four additional hours of your life when you do a podcast about this and hate yourselves. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is so long! <laughs> I can only hope if you're traveling for Thanksgiving. Yes, that's the thing. I, I, I'm sort of... Or you hate I'm your family. I'm viewing this as like an opportunity for, for Thanksgiving uh, uh, family relief. If you need to get away yeah, for then, a very long time. I imagine there's going to be a lot of awkward political discussions at a lot of Thanksgiving dinner tables this year. So hopefully we've provided that service. I'm sorry... I mean, I'm generally... I'm just Conrad and me more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sorry in general that any of this had to happen. I can't believe this was so long. Uh, yeah, it's, um... It's a terrible fucking movie. Yeah, um... I'm not gonna do... Yeah. Like with Warcraft, I'm, I'm not doing the did you like it or not. We know. We already know how we feel. I could spend... I we could spend another three hours just bitching about this. Oh easily. yeah, yeah, picking up, picking it apart, telling like there are there's bits of this film. There are there are elements of laziness and glossing over, and and just poor storytelling and bad jokes in this film that I haven't even oh, mentioned sure. for the sake brevity. Of brevity, <laughs> what we could call brevity. <laughs> but rest assured, there's double the material I could give you on this. This could be a six-hour podcast. It's not as, gonna be. But as be. we, you know, and, and while it is impossible to relate all of the many, many crimes against filmmaking, the um, this film portrays, uh, we should. I, I do feel obligated to point out all of the things it does well. Uh, and there's one that we haven't mentioned. I'd, I'd reference that I'd bring up, and then I kind of skipped over when that happens in the synopsis. Um, but the okay. the redeeming uh, of Eddie as a character really happens when he shows back up to fight alongside alongside Ludlow and Lady Lisa in the big climactic battle. And there yeah. is a scene that I completely skipped in the description where they're you know where Ludlow is sort of thanking him for coming back, and and they're having this moment, and uh, there is. And and Eddie says, "Well, you know, I I wanted, I felt, you know, I needed to make up for having cheated in the Pac-Man game." And yeah. and Ludlow and says, "You cheated." Can... And Eddie says, "Moving on." And it it is oh, such yeah. a, it is yeah. perfect comic timing 
from two people who know what they're doing and to some degree in all directions care about their performance. That's not to say that Josh Gad works hard in this movie. He does not. No. But But he's he's at least got enough innate, just inherent timing ability for that scene to have worked the way it should have worked. And and I do agree with you that I didn't laugh at that scene, but receptors in my brain, those that were still working by this point, um, did recognize also that that was um, well executed. But that's just just it. There's like four or five examples of jokes that are well executed but not strong enough to produce belly laughs. And countless examples of jokes that are set up either too early for their payoff or Mm -hmm. not worth the payoff yeah. At all. Or not set, or, up, or not at set up at all. Or, or set up with right. no payoff. Like, like, they run the gamut. But, 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 but so there's like that... five examples of pure, actually constructed jokes that that would work. Yeah. And, and like, far too many, so many more examples of things Juxtaposed situations and absurdities that aren't, that don't really work well or don't feel realistic or you can't, they're so beyond your suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But, um, let me give you my proposed Oh, please, yes, yes. Because this is actually, you've told Um, me a bit about this and it is actually pretty smart. Um, before we wrap up, my proposed ending for Pixels is this. So, all throughout the movie, Adam Sandler has been talking about how old video games are classics, old video games are better, he's stuck in the past, he can't move past his Donkey Kong failure, that's why he never moved on in life, never applied himself. The aliens are the same way. They have nothing but 1980 references to go on. I was going to say 1982, but clearly (laughs) they've done some research to get things beyond there. Um... And they're using old arcade video games. Now, it would have been better character growth for Adam Sandler. And it would have been an interesting twist. And it would have contextualized various gags like Cubit's fear of modern video games. If, at some point, someone in the film recognized that time had moved on since 1982, as had video games. Like the kid... The kid who'd spent this entire film talking about Halo and Call of Duty and playing The Last of Us had been like, we have terrifying examples of violent, get-shit-done video games right now. We have Master Chief, we have Kratos, we have video games that will make Centipede, you know, look like a, a fucking birthday party. And we also have evidence that the, um, the, 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 the military, the DARPA and everything, had been reverse engineering and studying the technology the aliens were using to create the, the, the pixel-slash-voxel creatures. What should have happened at the end is rather than a very generic, very trite Donkey Kong final battle throw a hammer at a right. thing, and we could have still had some of sure. that. We still could have had that revelation of the cheating. This didn't need to count, contradict that. If the military had 
made their own versions of the arcade invaders, but they were modern video games. So we instead had this sudden uh, attack from Earth of characters like Kratos and Master Chief. Modern video games had come in and just decimated the arcade, the primitive arcade invaders, which would have allowed Adam Sandler to accept that just because something's old, it doesn't necessarily make it better, and that he can move on with his life and actually be happy and adapt to a modern So you mean to tell me that um, you wanted to create a movie where the Adam Sandler character grows and changes and learns something from the experience and didn't actually have the power in him all along... Um, and only need to be told he was the greatest? Yes. Huh. Yes. I realize that's a big, uh, a a tall order uh, for this film, but I feel like, because this came about because I I was thinking about Pixels, and I remembered before rewatching it that I'd totally forgotten how it ended um, for a number of reasons, And, and, and then just invented my own that then made me angry because I'm like, that would actually be quite cool and there'd be a really nice spectacle of seeing modern video games versus arcade video games. Um, and I just, I feel like that would have uh, would have been something. It would have been something. Right. It, it might not be the best way to end the film. It might not be the best bit of, of movie writing ever, but it would have been something. Not just throwing a hammer at a monkey. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe my idea is worse than what Pixel. No, I no, I don't. I think you're absolutely. I think you're right. Um, I mean, you can still have. uh, Well, I I say still have. You can have character development in that. I think that the uh, idea of of demonstrating that video games are more than just what you know uh, this generation remembers them as, acclimating them. Like it could have been a, a message that unified. A message of unity among people who like and enjoy this. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Like, older doesn't necessarily mean worse or better. Um, newer doesn't mean worse And we can all better. come it's, together it's just... under our, our love and, and, and affection for play. And so, yeah. yes. A nice positive message for everybody, not just the detestable. This had a, 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 an opportunity to be a message of unity, and it instead just maintains its divisiveness throughout. And Yeah, yeah. That That's it. It's... The movie just upholds the status quo established at the beginning of the film. It's just everything goes back to the way it was, where Adam Sandler's still a, a dick, and no one learns well, now anything. Now he's a dick who's a national Gad hero. His, but that, yeah. Yeah. Josh Gad has his trophy girlfriend and Cubit babies, and no one's worried about that. And, and it... it I... Uh-oh. My idea is yeah. better. No, it is. My movie. Yeah, I, I, that's and 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 that's just indicative of um, the rest of the film is because we did this during the course of of Conrad's summary. We kept coming up with better scenes, things that made more narrative sense, things that were funnier, things that had better payoffs. It's and it takes so little thought. It takes less than five minutes to best 
any one thing Pixels does. That's all it takes. But it also requires some applicable knowledge, some applied knowledge, which Sandler didn't have. By his own admission, if I'm if I remember what you told me correctly, comrade. Yeah. He doesn't know video games beyond. No, there was some interview that he did uh, in the um, you know press rounds of promoting Pixel, and he's like, "Yeah, these these the movies that are in here are in because they're the movies they're the games I remember." I should say the games yeah. in this movie are the ones I remember. He went, he went only with the games he remembered, and obviously outsourced the Call of Duty and Halo stuff for the kids to someone, um, you know, maybe the other writer or whatever. He was only interested. In the shit he remembered. And wasn't bothered. And this is why I wanted to... Why I was so adamant about um, pointing out my idea for Mm -hmm. the ending. Because I think it shows just how lazy Sandler is. He didn't want to perform the most basic of research. He didn't... You know, him or the the actual writer. um, Or anyone involved in the film. Couldn't be fucked to do the most basic of research and come up with something better than here are some here are some old games you recognize from the 80s. Yep. When the potential for video game invasion of earth. I mean I even I said during the live stream as well I think it would have been a better film if they were if if the alien stuff was taken out and in a ghostbusters style way video games themselves were just like nefarious that would have been yeah that had a lot and, of, there's a lot of possible the, the concept has and it was about them as ghostbusters as you know they're called the arcaders in the movie and if the movie had been called maybe the arcaders <laughs> and it was about them setting up their agency to fight video games with their own video game well, knowledge the uh, when they then they first put them into their arcader uniforms, I was immediately reminded of something called Atari Force, which was a sort of a marketing tool that Atari was using to promote their games. There was a little mini comic book that would come with every one of the games in the early, uh, you know, that were produced by specifically Atari. And uh, they would have the adventures of this spacefaring um I don't know, somewhat military organization that were, you know, involved in all of these events that were based on the events in the video games. And it was a great, they were actually pretty good little comics and a neat thing. And that, that sort of thing totally could have existed in this arcader concept. Uh, there, there's so many visual and, um, and thematic things that are just blinked at throughout all of this that would have been better ideas uh, if pulled out as a, as a lone thing and say, let's develop this into a whole other project than everything that's thrown into this. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you have it. At, you know, after like three and a half hours. Um, yeah. We've come to the end. Um, now, I know we didn't, because we normally do beforehand, but once again, we didn't decide what movie we want to do next. Now, I can't remember off the top of my head. I mean, right now, I just, I'd need to pass out, but, um, how many have we got until, like, our last one before Christmas? Is it one, or is the next one sort of the nearest to Christmas? Uh, there are two more episodes. The the next one, and then one more before Christmas. One more for Christmas. Okay. Um, uh, the Christmas one, I think, would have to be um, Super I Mario think Brothers. I think that that should be our gift to everyone this year. Yes. We will do Super Mario Brothers, not next week, but the week after. 
Um, so for this, the next one, I'm thinking, and stop me if you, you know, have a better mm-hmm. idea. Uh, I want to do the Uwe Boll Classic Postal. Oh, so what? We're just going to keep this trend going. All right, we're going to... I mean, I know that this is the best well, Boll film. Yeah. But I feel like... I, th- I think it would make the Super Mario Brothers one even more anticipated and enjoyable. Uh, yeah. If we go through Postal okay, first. Okay, all right, you know what? Plus... I've seen Postal already, and I have this weird, grotesque affection for it. All right, all right. You know, and and, and the, the the fans that we met um, up in Beacon, who gave us a ride home. Yes. Uh, lovely, lovely people. Uh, oh, absolutely what, wonderful. What, the best best part of that night. But uh, she, uh, she specifically mentioned uh, wanting to know when we were going to do Postal. So, there, well, we, there go. we go. There we go. That, that, this one's for you. Yes. <sighs> Fucking hell. So that, that'll that be the next one. The, the next one. God, my voice is so sharp. That'll be the next one. Postal, from pixels to postal. Uh, and then after that, it'll be our, our Christmas extravagancia, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Um, if you're still listening <laughs> God at this bless point, you. I mean, I've said that on so many podcasts yeah. before. Um, but truly, at this point, I really mean it, like, more than ever. I've always meant it, but there's an extra level of sentiment attached to this one, because I don't know how you could still be listening to this. But if you are, I mean, yeah. though, especially if you watched Pixels in preparation. Oh, that's, like, I think that they're going to start canonizing people who do both of those. Like, 50 years from now, like they they're going to look back and be like, Wow. If you did that, just know that I think you are a real hero. And that's yep. it. That's it. Um, I, all that remains to be said is thank you for joining us. Thank you, Conrad. My for pleasure, as suffering always. Suffering through pixels twice, uh, especially with the Max yeah. Headroom problem. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you can catch Conrad on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. Um, we do a, another podcast together, uh, one that's a lot briefer than this one. Um, it's an improv comedy podcast called Fist Shark Marketing. Fist as in what you would punch Adam Sandler in the dick with, and shark as in uh, Adam Sandler's business approach. Fist Shark Marketing. Um, you can get that on iTunes or see it at fistshark.com or follow that on Twitter that's at fistshark. Um, and that's it. I mean, oh, thank you as always for your support. Thank you so much for listening. And... Thank you for uh, all of you tuned into the live stream as well. It was an incredible. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We had a good time with that. Um, Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of people tuned in. A lot of people seemed to enjoy it despite the odd sort of premise. Um, And yeah, just just thank you all. And I'm done. (laughs) I'm out. Bye. Bye.